uh, Leonardo. Uh, oh God, DiCaprio. No, not that Leonardo. <laughs> da Vinci. Da Vinci. Oh, we lost Richard. Oh no, I scared Richard off with my wrong answer. See, I was going to say Leonardo Demogliano uh, De or whatever, whoever, the, uh, whatever the name of the old world inventor is, but I couldn't think of his last name. <laughs> I had a feeling I knew Rob was going for Da Vinci, but I felt I like was going DiCaprio. for Da Vinci. My brain just suddenly went DiCaprio. You know, you're going to say DiCaprio. I'm like, no, I don't. No, not DiCaprio. Di- not DiCaprio. Da Vinci. Rob, you're over 25. DiCaprio has no interest in you. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that loves technology and wants you to love it too. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yes, we're all back together. Uh, if you missed our last episode, that is Dennis and Kevin uh, reports from the Grand Narrative in Atlanta. Um, so that is a that is three hours of narrative coverage. If you are interested in hearing how that went and how those games have gone down uh definitely I, take I, a listen to that I'll, I'll tell you the spoiler we had fun um yes the other <laughs> the other thing i'll say is we recorded every night so you actually get our narrative of what happened each day as things progressed which i felt was a good way to do the grand narrative yeah well yeah and even just following it on the uh, warhammer community site i was able to see some of the twists and turns and i'm not gonna i won't get into them here because if you are <laughs> listening to that episode or you have not followed it i do not want to spoil it but uh it like there were a couple of times when i messaged you i was like oh yeah this i was seeing some of the photos there and this kind of is looking a little bit like this and you're like yep it sure is <laughs> it's like so that so yeah the, you could follow along at home it was fun uh, <laughs> And I would love to also talk about the uh, the Warhammer previews from the uh, Warhammer World Championships, but unfortunately, well, fortunately, you two covered that during your in like your first day coverage. Yeah. But um, the other reason we're not covering it in this episode is because uh, we got two codexes to review because <laughs> yeah. uh, we got a double event. <laughs> I I still wish if they do two a month, they would, like, space them out, not just drop them all. Yeah. I, but the, maybe this is the new thing. Because I know they did that with Knights and Chaos Knights once upon a time, but that felt normal. Because, hey, here's all Knights updating at right. the same yeah. time. Well, it's basically, it was the same models, effectively, just slightly different rules for them. Wait, does this mean Admech and Necron are no. technically the same? Just no. one Xenos, one's Imperium? No, no, because... <laughs> As I mentioned, you know, when we were talking about like the the model for the Sidonian Scotros, which a Games Workshop did send us, I have not had a chance to put it together, but I highly recommend you check out the Goonhammer article on the Stilt Man because there's one of the greatest gifs I've ever seen regarding a Games Workshop model there, and I'm just going to say it's it's named Boing.gif. So and, and I'm I'm sorry I don't ever remember what GW named this character. He's always going to be Stiltman. He is Stiltman. Um, but as I as I mentioned when I describe when we were talking about that model, it's like the Adeptus Mechanicus is what if technology but stupid. Um, and 
it's like a bunch of people that revere technology, but do not fundamentally understand it in any meaningful way and are stuck in this weird kind of like steampunk, not like steampunk meets Leonardo da Vinci. And yeah, it's, but it's like, they don't understand it. They worship it, but like they have more technology than anyone else, but usually it's just because they found old instructions on how to build technology. It's like in a technology cargo cult. Right. Well, I was I was more thinking like a standard IT department where, oh, don't touch that code. It works. Just just do the right. things and it and it'll keep working. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean pretty much it's like just say the proper prayers, light the right incense, <laughs> and, you know, apply the proper oils, and everything should work fine. And and yeah, these are the people in charge of fixing everything else in the Imperium, and that's terrifying. So it's a Tesla factory. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to talk actual Tesla, let's talk about Necron weapons, because whereas the uh, whereas the Admech worships technology, the Necrons are technology. <laughs> because they found being fleshy sucked for them, only they got f- tricked into being trapped in robot bodies and having their souls consumed by star gods, which also not a great look. Uh, but I mean, uh, who amongst us, though? I mean, well, okay, to be fair, the Necrons, originally the Necron tier, were a race that was basically dying young due to, like, exposure to massive amounts of radiation. Mm-hmm. And they... They made a deal, like, didn't they approach the old ones? It's been, a, like, I need to re- yeah. review the, the uh, lore again and they got to make sure I'm at. fresh. Yeah, they yeah. went, they approached the old ones for, like, would you please fix this for us? And the old ones were like, no. And mm-hmm. so then the Satan show up and like, we'll fix it for you and we'll help you fight against the old ones because obviously they just want you to die. And the Necrons like, that sounds pretty good. And then they went through the deal and it's like, oh, the, the Satan just wanted to eat our souls and uh, trapped, trapped us in robot bodies. And they're like, well, that sucks. So they fought the war in heaven, and then they also fought against the Satan and defeated them and fractured them and then trapped the bits and pieces of the Satan to basically use as living weapons. And then, like, once everything was kind of handled to their satisfaction, they're like, okay, this is good. We're going to sleep now. And they slept for somewhere around 65 million years. I'm going to uh, – a headcanon is that they're responsible for the death of the dinosaurs. Don't at me. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, but they're somehow involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then once the uh, once the Imperium started poking around uh, tomb worlds, like these ancient Necron worlds where they're all sleeping, the Necrons started waking up and like, oh, um, what are you insects doing here? Because we will stamp you under our boots. Oh crap, the Eldar are here. Well, I guess it's I guess War in Heaven's back on. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got. Uh, the the silent king returning from outside the galaxy saying, hey, by the way, there's a whole bunch of these nasty organic beings they're going to try to eat. Oh, we're oh, they're here already. Damn it. <laughs> and that's <laughs> awkward. <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Whereas whereas the, the Mechanicus is basically a, a bunch of scientists during the the dark age of technology traveled to Mars and set up base there 
And then over millennia, they lost access. You know, they still had like some of the highest amounts of technology remaining, but there was a lot of information that had been lost. And then, you know, the, the emperor of mankind, you know, during the, uh, the unification wars, you know, he unites all the forces on earth and then he's like, okay, so now we're going to go start expanding. We'll take back parts of the solar system and he gets to Mars and he's able to like make a deal with the cult mechanicus on Mars to like, okay, well, you share your technology with us and help improve our stuff. And in exchange, we'll let bring you along on these, our crusade fleets. And we know there are settlers out there who took standard template constructs with them that have all the information on technology that's been lost. We'll give you first dibs on getting those. And, of course, being obsessed with learning as much as they can about lost technology, the Admech went along with it. And... Uh, they've kind of, they've been effectively folded into being a semi-autonomous branch of the Imperium. So they kind of do their own thing, but they're also like, they are part of the Imperium. They, they run the forge worlds that provide all the, uh, you know, the, the arms and armor for the, uh, the Imperial war machine. Uh, they train tech Marines. I mean, they're a vital part of the Imperium, but they're also, pretty insane which is Mm -hmm. a true for a good chunk of the imperium anyway so yeah but they stand out (laughs) they really do stand out uh and yeah it is interesting how the (laughs) very tall quote technology religion is not frowned upon because i guess they've they've kind of rationaled it away of hey they're omnisiah oh that's just talking about the emperor yeah they're cool the emperor (laughs) yeah that was that was may part or of may the not agreement be true. That, yeah, that was part of the agreement to kind of fold them in. Is like, you know what? You're not allowed to worship the emperor as a god, but we'll, we'll make an exception. We'll look the other way. Yeah. It's and are we st- are, and, and it's still debated, I believe, whether or not the the actual Omnissiah that they they think they're worshiping is a satan fragment of the Void Dragon. Like it's been <laughs> it's been debated, and I am sure that GW is going to keep that in the dark to let this debate oh. continue. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So as I said, both codexes went up for pre order. They were announced on the 18th. They went up for pre order on the 25th, which is a week ago. Uh, they are not out until December 9th. We've got a two-week window for the pre-release, so they are not available yet as of recording, but thanks to Games Workshop providing us copies to uh, review, we can tell you about what's inside them so that you know when you go to buy it uh, that, um, you know, what you'll be what you'll be looking at. And uh, as of time of recording, they still have not locked the indexes, so uh, if these are available... When this episode drops, grab them just so they're not lost, because if patterns follow, probably middle of next week, they will be locked away behind the uh, the, the Codex paywall. I really wish they'd stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. <laughs> but, well, here we are. So, part one of this episode is going to be the AdMech. Part two will be the Necron Codex. Uh, we are going to take this at a pretty rapid pace pace because a we've got a hard deadline to finish before one uh, 130 <laughs> kevin's got a place to be and also uh we want to get through two books in one episode without killing me during uh editing so 
let's get into it. Uh, we've roughly covered the, the past lore. Uh, one thing I will say about this codex is I am sad that we are we are really seeing like with this space marine codex like they were like they didn't have six successor chapters but they were effectively successor chapters and so you still got like all the color plates and showing all the the different color patterns for like here's how like these different chapters of marines are painted and here, like here's their color schemes and while the different forge worlds are mentioned you know mars lucius agrippina stygius 8 graia metallica ryza um we don't have a quite an equivalent of that the it's more like the tyranid codex where they're focused on play styles rather than sub factions and unfortunately all the coloration we get is pretty much Mars, except for like one two page spread that features some models from other Forge worlds very briefly in the like the no. painted model section. And that's it. Like that's I, the <clears throat> the coverage we get. I, I'll agree with that, Rob. Uh, but I do like the fact that they have little painting tutorials in there. It's like, hey, if you want to get this, here's what you do to get the shading for the cloak. Here's what you do for the yeah. metal. And mm-hmm. so I like having that in the book. And as Kevin, you noted, this is in the combat patrol section where they've kind of revamped that as well for both of these codexes. Yeah, I think it's been in the previous codexes. I just don't think we mentioned it, but I thought it was really cool that there's a breakdown of like, this is what this model, this unit does. This is how many are in it. This is like the role they play. This is how you paint them. I think that's very great for uh, beginner, you know, for beginners that want to start with combat patrol. Yeah. And I mean, even covering things like, hey, if you want to use transfers, here's like the ideal places to put transfers on the models, things like that. Yeah, no, I do like that. Also noting that in both of these cases, but we'll focus on the Mechanicus one first, the Combat Patrol is completely changed. This, they're doing a new Combat Patrol box that comes out at the same time as the uh, Codex, and it has a completely different, I mean, except for like it has a unit of Skatari Vanguard, which is like their standard battle line unit. But otherwise, it's a completely different uh, setup because I think the old one had Cataphrons and a Tech Priest Engine Seer and a Onager in it, I want to say. And the new one is a Tech Priest Manipulus, the big fatty Tech Priest, a unit of Vanguard, a unit of Cerberus Sulfur Hounds, and a unit of Taraxi Sterilizers. So uh, no vehicles, all infantry and mounted units. So it'll play very differently than the last one. But again, it, these are data sheets that are going to be tailored more for combat patrol to more or less balance them against the other uh, combat patrol uh, data sheets. But let's get into the army proper. And uh, as we've done in past codex reviews for 10th edition, I'm going to primarily focus on what has changed between the index and the uh the codex. Uh, now I will talk about the army rules because that's something that is, you know, going to be pretty much consistent and between both index and codex, these did actually, actually did not change. And for Mechanicus, it is the doctrine imperatives. Uh, at the start of the battle round, you select one of these two imperatives. Every unit that has the doctrine imperatives ability gains one of these. Uh, and when, and I say, Every unit has the Doctrine Imperative's ability. It's only about two-thirds of your codex. Uh, if it's a Skatari unit or a Cataphron unit, it will have Doctrine Imperative's. 
If it is not, like if it's a more of a cult mechanicus unit with the exception of uh, cataphrons, uh, it will not. So this does not apply to like your tech priests, your electro priests, um, your uh, like cyberneticus, or, like your castle and robots and stuff. They do not have doctrina imperatives. Uh, your two choices are protector or conqueror. Uh, so uh, if you're a protector, your ranged weapons gain heavy. So plus one to hit if you didn't move. And if you are targeted inside your deployment zone, um, all the the attack uh, AP is worsened by one. So basically you have armor contempt if you're in your deployment zone. Uh, if you choose Conquer Imperative, all your weapons have, all your ranged weapons gain assault, so you can uh, fire after uh, advancing. And each time the, a model in the unit makes a range attack, if the target is in your opponent's deployment zone, you improve the AP by one. So basically, it's are you protecting your deployment zone or are you going after their deployment zone? That's, you know, this army is always, is always going to have a little bit of a zone based focus. Uh, definitely a lot easier than the old Doctrina rules of editions past where you had like a list of several items that you could that you had to choose between every turn. You couldn't use the same one twice and they usually had a benefit and a downside. And this is much more streamlined than any of that. Yeah, for sure. Much easier to con- to manage. Right. Uh, getting into individual detachments, we're going to, uh, for a while, we have said, and other peoples have stated as well, that uh, the Rad Cohort, which was the Index Detachment, was the uh, one of the absolute worst detachments in the game, uh, because it basically allowed your opponent to ignore it, for the most part, <laughs> because it was basically... Um, your opponent could like you basically everything in your opponent's deployment zone could choose to take cover or stand firm. If it took cover, they counted as battle shocked for a turn for a battle round. If they stood firm, they took mortal wounds on a three up. And then after that, from turns two through five, then they might take a mortal wound if they were in their deployment zone. And it's like, yeah, so my opponent can pretty much ignore because, like, first turn, you can't score anything, so objective control really isn't going to be that big a deal other than possibly for a secondary objective. Um, and it's at the battle first, it's at the battle round, so, but they would still, well, they'd be battle shocked, so they wouldn't make another battle shock test during the command phase, but. It's still like they wouldn't affect their scoring at all. So it's just like, oh, I don't want to take mortal wounds. I'll just be battle shocked for a turn. I can't use strats on these units for a turn. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so they've changed that. Uh, for one thing, we it's no longer the rad cohort it is now the rad zone core. And I'm guessing that is to avoid any confusion that this is an altered version of the same detachment even though it is an altered version of the same detachment (laughs) uh the rules are similar but a bit different so for example there's the uh the the bombardment is now your opponent still decides whether to take cover or stand firm if they stand firm they'd still take d3 mortal wounds on a three up if they take cover they are battle shocked and take d3 mortal wounds on a five up so it just means they're less likely to take mortal wounds not that they won't take mortal wounds so now it leaves your opponent with a pair of bad, you know, like 
bad choices still. Uh, the taking cover is still probably better for them, but it doesn't mean they are safe for mortal wounds, which is better. And then from rounds two through five, they do still take mortal wounds on a, th- they take a single mortal wound on a three up, but if they take that mortal wound, they also have to take a battle shock test on your, but it's on your command phases. So it does mean like it's at the start of your command phase though. So it could actually affect scoring. If they like, if you are competing for an objective, you might actually reduce them to zero CP if they're in their deployment zone, which is, that's yeah. kind of nice. Yeah. Having played not zero CP, zero, uh, zero OC. OC. Right. Yeah. Which you could lose control of the command or the objective in your deployment zone then. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Playing against this, um, it was, I guess, the older version, but it was still annoying enough that I didn't want to deal with it, so I just moved everything out of my deployment zone. So, that, it's still not that wonderful of a detachment no. rule, but it does get your opponent... It's better against the armies that would just want to sit back and protect. Right. Yes. Yeah, it's like, you you are, you are not going to want it, like do a static gun line. Like I could see like some Imperial guard armies would really suffer from this. Some Tau armies could really suffer from this just because like, well, they're, they're going to try to control their board zone. And there's a number of other like detachments as the game goes on that are really about like holding objectives and having zones of control. Um, mm. This can mess with that. Um. Going on into stratagems, a lot of these stratagems are similarly named, uh, although there's like one or two replacements. Um, so, so going down the list, uh, there's um, Baleful Halo. This uh, is basically um, a like if somebody is attacking one of your units in the fight phase. Uh, you subtract one from the wound roll. Now, what's tricky on this is uh, they changed how the targeting works. Because it used to just be uh, just one of your units is selected during the fight phase. Well, it's minus one to wound. Now, it's you. It's minus one to be wounded uh, unless the unit that is being targeted is a battle line unit. If then there is a Skatari unit within six inches of this battle line unit, you can target both of them to get the minus one to be wounded. A little weird, a little clunky, but it does make it more effective. And it does kind of want you to flood the field with battle line units, um, which are going to be Skatari. Uh, which however, I it can also see that because Skatari are actually really good about pushing forward and getting up in your face. So mm-hmm. you'll probably have them in the fight phase. And I mean, it's kind of bad that it costs two CP. But yeah. A lot of things in the fight phase do cost two CP now. Yeah. And the other thing about that is, well, you're targeting two units because you will make your army to where you can effectively use this. Right. Uh, and now, and I, as I go through this particular detachment, you'll hear me refer to bale, baleful halo targeting. And that's what, it, when I say that, I mean affects two units if the first one is battle line and the second one is a Skatari unit within six inches. It's clumsy, so I'm going to shorten that up a bit. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, next one, extinction order. Uh, if you, you target a tech priest and an enemy unit within or within range of an objective, and then you roll a, f- a four up and, uh, or you roll a die in on a four up, they take a mortal wound. 
for and it's just for each unit. It's not for each model within range of the objective marker. Just with for each unit, and they yeah, and they de- do have to take a battle shock test as well, which not super powerful, but yeah, it's a it, there's a little. I'm seeing a lot of like uh, battle shock with this one. You know, mortal wounds and battle shock is kind of the the theme of this this particular detachment. Um. Next one, we've got Aggressive Imperative. Uh, this also uses Baleful Halo targeting, but allows you to auto-advance one or two Skatari units six inches. Uh, this used to be an advance and charge, which Skatari don't want to charge generally. I mean, there are a couple that do, but for the most part, they don't want to. Uh, so this just allows you, as you said, Dennis, to get up in your face and just auto-advancing six, and especially if you are in Conqueror, imperative your weapons are assault so your uh you know it's not going to affect your shooting ability at all uh next one pre-calibrated purge solution this one replaces the old vengeful fallout which basically said uh you know one of your units can shoot back at another unit Uh, that is gone and that is instead replaced with uh pre-calibrated purge solution which uh, lets you, it, again, this has Baleful Halo targeting, so two units if one's battle line and one... Although this one doesn't allow you... Okay, so the other thing is the Baleful Halo targeting... Again, this is clunky and I hate it. Mm-hmm. it you can't target other battle line units. So like if so if you're targeting one of your Skatari Rangers or Vanguard, you can also affect a non-Ranger or Vanguard Skatari unit. Clumsy, it almost it. sounds like um, what spotting and shooting units. It kind yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's along the lines of Tau thinking, but worse, uh, just clum- just clumsier. Uh, but again, can affect up to two units. But this does allow you to like the unit and like a lone operative character nearby, or uh, there's plenty of other Skatari units because you know like there are vehicles that are Skatari units. There are. Um, tanks that are Skatari units, so it's like you've got things that you can actually affect with this. But now, pre-calibrated purge solution uh, lets you re-roll hits against a target in your opponent's deployment zone. So again, it's like, I want to get rid of the things in my opponent's deployment zone, which, the downside is if your opponent leaves the deployment zone, this stratagem is useless, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next one, lethal dosage uh, gives your uh, weapons the... Uh, you know, gives the units ranged weapons lethal hits. This used to be plus one to wound, and it used to cost two CP. It now only costs one, so it's actually gotten cheaper and easier to use. Um, lethal hits, not as good as plus one to wound, but it takes wound rolls out of the equation, so I could see it going either way. And then finally, Bulwark Imperative. Uh, this basically, again, Baleful, Mo- Baleful Halo targeting. So of Skatari or a Battleline Skatari and a non-Battleline Skatari within six inches. Uh, until the end of the phase, they get a four-up and vulnerable save. Uh, that one also costs two CP, which uh, I think it always did. But, yeah, uh, but if it, you really you know, need to save somebody, that sounds like a good thing to right. Use. And keep in mind, most of the Mechanicus army has a five up C or five up invuln, so this just brings it down to a four up, which is generally as good as an invuln is going to get in tenth right. edition. So that's not bad. Now, getting to enhancements, uh, a lot of three of these were just renamed. <laughs> 
and then one of them was <laughs> one of them was replaced. But the one that was replaced is really really good. Uh, so um, the new the brand new one is Radial Suffusion. Uh, this replaced one called Archived Purge Protocols, which basically let you switch up which imperative was active for your army at silly and there's no point in taking it really um but instead what you get is radial suffusion which will you take you will take in every single instance of taking this this detachment because it increases the the rad zone like the turns two through five uh you know roll to see if they take a mortal and make a battle shock to extend to six inches outside of their deployment zone as well so almost half the board, just as long as your character with that is on the table. Yeah, as long as the bearer is on the battlefield, you ex- basically count that extra six inches as their deployment zone for the purposes of determining whether they take fallout damage. Uh, and then otherwise, you have Malphonic Susurus, which uh, gives stealth, which used to be called the Excoriating Emanation. There's the Peerless Eradicator, which used to be called the Master Annihilator, uh, which uh, sustained hits one. And then the Autoclavic Denunciation, which is in, uh, anti-infantry two-up, anti-monster four-up. That yeah, used that to be called nice. the, Yeah, that used to be called the Omni Sterilizer. I think they changed them just because they're like, no, 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 this is not the Rad Cohort. This is the Rad Zone Court. Completely different. Right. I mean, functionally identical 75% of the time, but different. But 25% better. 25. Yes. And, and I would agree with the 25% better. I, this, I mean, and I've seen reports like there have been like good, you know, savvy Mechanicus players who have won with the Rad Cohort. So it's like, it's not the worst possible detachment it's fine you know it's it's fine this is a better version of it i don't think it's necessarily the best detachment in the book but it doesn't suck <laughs> like it's, right, i think it, it is better than it was my notes on it was it seemed just well balanced and seemed decent i mean not the best but not the worst no it's it's a good all kind of all takers uh you know, an average detachment. It's fine. You know, it it doesn't lean towards any one particular army build. It does kind of want you to use Skatari battle line units, but you're likely going to use those anyway. So not really that big a change. So it's fine. Absolutely fine. Uh, moving on, we've got the Skatari Hunter cohort. Uh, this is all about sneaky and stealthy. Your Skatari infantry, your Skatari mounted units, and your Iron Strider Balistari all have stealth, and they get the, and your Sakarian units, so like Sakarian Rust Stalkers and, uh, Infiltrators can't, uh, get cover outside of 12 inches. So basically it gives you kind of like the Raven Guardish style defense. Uh, so this is definitely, uh, and this is an army that's completely focused around either Skatari units, or even more specifically, Sakarian, Taraxi, or Sidonian units, which would be um, Sakarians, again, Rustalkers and Infiltrators, which are primarily sneaky uh, close combat units. Your Taraxi are uh, deep striking, flying, you know, shooting or flaming units. And the Sidonians are, I believe, the those are the cavalry. Yes. Uh, the yeah the sulfur hounds and uh the other the other one that i never never remember never see yeah yeah the the ones with the uh 
no, those are Cerberus units. They they are they are Skatari. They are not Sidonians. The Sidonian units would be the Dragoons. Oh, okay. And the reason they include Iron Strider uh, Ballastari is because they are neither Sidonian uh, or they are not Sidonian, but they nor do they count as mounted. But they they do get the benefit, even though they are technically uh, technically vehicles. But the Sidonian Dragoons are also vehicles, but they also have the Sidonian keyword. And I think the Sidonian Scatros obviously also gets that, being as he is he is Sidonian as well. Um, but basically, again, this is the the sneaky on foot detachment. Um, your strats, you have one that gives like bionic endurance gives a Sicarian Sidonian or Taraxi unit five up feel no pain. Great, uh, Binharic offense two CP. But uh, let's you select two Skatari units that haven't shot or fight fought that phase improves their AP by one, but they can only target a particular enemy unit. You you actually target one enemy unit, so you're basically going into one enemy unit with two of your units. Both of your units get AP improved by one. Uh, expedited purge protocol uh, during your charge phase. You one of your uh, Skatari units can charge after advancing. Great. Uh, isolate and destroy. Uh, during your shooting phase, a Sakarian, Taraxi, Sidonian, Iron Starter, Balistari, or Skatari mounted unit from your army uh, can uh, add one to the wound roll if there are no enemy units within six inches of that targeted unit. So basically, if somebody's out on their own, take them down. Um, Shroud protocols, you uh, select a Skatari infantry unit for one CP. It effectively has lone operative. <laughs> can't can't be targeted if the enemy unit's not within twelve inches. And then finally, programmed withdrawal. Uh, one CP. Uh, at the end of your opponent's fight phase, you select two Sakarian units from your army or one uh, Skatari infantry or mounted unit, and uh, that unit goes into strategic reserves. And then. Uh, but they have to be more than three inches away from enemy any enemy units. So basically, you can pull some uh, redeploy shenanigans with a unit after your opponent's fight phase. So it means you can drop them back in on your movement phase somewhere and you know have them come off of a table edge and then maybe shoot somebody up. Or if they're Sakarian, maybe pull off a uh, charge. <laughs> uh one thing I will note about this is all of these are strategic ploys. None of them are uh, battle tactics, so you can't uh, reduce their CP down to zero with anything. Yeah, uh, this... I, whether that's an issue or not in this army, I don't know. But it's like we, we'll start seeing that where there's some detachments have battle tactics and some do not. And it makes that other rule seem really weird by comparison. Right. And this is attachment that I would think I would like because I like stealth and the lone operative and the movement, but I don't know. I think the models that benefit from this just seem the more fragile ones to me. So I, I have a feeling this you have to probably play a lot more skill on this one because you're going to have to outmaneuver and outplan mm -hmm. your opponent. Oh, yeah. This is absolutely uh, a maneuvering and placement uh, army where it's like yeah, you're going to be carefully picking out your targets, going after them, retreating pulling them away, uh, trying not to get hit, trying to minimize the hits that come in. 
Um, your enhancements, uh, you can take a uh, cantric thrall net. Only can be on a Skatari Marshal, but you select a friendly... At the start of each battle round, you select a friendly Skatari unit within 12 inches, and uh, that unit gets both uh, imperatives in place. Not bad. Uh, clandestine infiltrator, Skatari model only. Bear and models in the any unit they're leading have infiltrators and scout six inches, which fits with everything else you're doing here. And thing is, they say Skatari model only. There's as far as like leaders who can take enhancements that are Skatari. Uh, there's the Sidonian Scatros and the Skata- who is not a leader and cannot actually join anyone. And there's the Skatari Marshal. That's it. And he can only join yeah. Rangers and Vanguard. Most of the Skatari units in here c- cannot be joined by anyone. So you know, or at least anyone who would benefit from that. And even the tech priests can't join anything other Skatari other than Rangers or Vanguard. So basically any of these that provide benefits to a unit that is that they're attached to is going to be Skatari Rangers or Vanguard. Veiled Hunter, Skatari Marshal model only. I I mean, I guess they're leaving this open. I mean, okay, so I will say Scout six inches and infiltration is not bad for the Sidonian Scatros because otherwise he has lone operative and stealth. So being able to also infiltrate him and get a scout move on him, very, very good. But otherwise, it's like, you know, that at least it doesn't say while this unit is being like while this model is leading a unit, because then right. it would be useless for for anybody but the marshal. Uh, Veiled Hunter, Skatari Marshal. Uh, let's you uh, this one doesn't really matter who they're attached to, because basically it lets you redeploy three Skatari infantry units or at least put them into strategic reserves after deployment. So always a fun trick to play, especially in a unit in an army like this, where you kind of want to see where your opponent is putting things and then selecting your targets and placing pieces and to go after them appropriately. Uh, and then Battlesphere Uplink, Skatari model only in your shooting phase after the bear's unit has shot. If it's not within engagement range of one or more enemy units, that unit can make a normal move of six inches. If it does, can't declare a charge. This is obviously made for a Skatros. Because <laughs> a Skatros is going to want to pick out a target, shoot, move away. Uh, you th- This one, yeah, definitely you can see what is meant to be used with what in this one. And yeah, it's it's... Sneaky placement shenanigans and uh, like trying to pick out enemy units and take them out. Uh, next up, the Data Psalm Conclave. Uh, this one is all for your cult mechanicus units, which is going to be tech priests, electro priests, cataphrons. And this does not apply to the Cybernetica Datasmith because they are Legio Cybernetica, not cult mechanicus. And remember, none of these units other than the cataphrons have access to imperatives. So this gives them something akin to that, although it this one is in place for the entire game. Uh, so Benedictions of the Omnissiah at the start of the first battle round, select one of the following Benedictions of the Omnissiah to be active for Cult Mechanicus units from your army until the end of the battle. It can either be Panegyric Procession, which is if you do a ranged attack, if the target's within half range, it improves the AP by one. Or Citation and Savagery, every time a Cult Mechanicus unit is selected, to fight, if they charged, uh, add one to the strength and attack characteristics of melee weapons equipped by that unit. Uh, given what this army is, like what the units that this focuses on are good at, you're, I think you're going to almost always take Citation and Savagery. 
Because this yeah. is all like close close up stuff. And I mean, you said tech priest, electro priest. They're especially the electro priests are the I'm going to get close. I'm going to shoot or melee you up close. This is the, like the mechanics detachment. I think would just be a lot of fun playing mm. like a oh. assault army where you're just trying to rush up with. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, I've I've you know you basically like load up some of the. The Dune Rider transports full of uh, tech priests and or like electro priests and just like dump them out into somebody's face. Strats, uh, you've got uh, Incantation of the Iron Soul. Uh, he gives a cult mechanicus unit uh, f- uh, four up feel no pain against mortal wounds. Not nearly as good with the devastating wounds change, but does still help against uh, some effects. Chant of the Remorseless Fist. Uh, a cult mechanicus unit as it gets ready to fight. Uh, add one to the wound rolls. Just good, especially when you've already added a strength and an attack. If you chose citation and savagery, verse of vengeance. Uh, fight phase just after an enemy unit has selected its targets. Uh, lets your uh, cult mechanicus models uh, fight after death on a four up. Also, again, I'm se- I'm seeing a get up close in somebody's face and punch them. tactic here tribute of empathic veneration select a cult mechanicus unit and an enemy unit within 18 inches at the start of your movement phase the enemy unit must take a battle shock test if the test is failed until the start of your next command phase each time a model in that enemy unit makes an attack subtract one from the hit roll so again it's like it's 18 within 18 inches which is six inches plus charge range but the fact that it does last until your next command phase, which means it will affect them in shooting as well. Uh, so what, even if they are, they're battle shocked. Even once they shake off the battle shock, they're still going to be at the minus one until your turn. You know, until your turn. So that's good. Litany of the Electromancer. Select a cult mechanicus unit in your shooting phase. Uh, roll a d6 for each enemy unit within six inches of one of your cult mechanicus models in the unit. Uh, adding one to the result, if it's an Electro Priest on a five up, the enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. So, again, like, get the Electro Priest unit up close and then just unload mortal wounds. I mean, it's only a D3 mortal wounds, but yeah, still, it's extra damage output. And then Luminescent Blessing in your opponent shooting phase, just after an enemy unit has uh, selected its targets, you pick a Cult Mechanicus unit that was targeted, it gets a four up and vulnerable. Yeah, all of these want your units to survive until they can get into close combat or do more damage in close combat. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, this is this is not a subtle detachment. This is very clear about what it wants to be. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, my notes also say two of the enhancements I, in my mind would be like must takes. Yeah, so uh, you've got enhancement. Uh, your enhancements, the Mechanicus Locum for Tech Priests only. The Bear has a leadership characteristic of 6+, which is very good, and lets you avoid all that battle shock that comes your way. And once per battle at the start of any phase, you can select a Cult Mechanicus unit that's battle shocked within 12 inches. It is no longer battle shocked. Mantle of the Gnostic Arc. I like this uh, tech- Tech priest only. Uh, each time an attack is allocated to the bear, the damage characteristic is one. Yeah, that one's a pretty much a, a <laughs> must-have on a close combat army character. Yeah. Um, data blessed auto sermon. Tech priest only. Uh, once per battle at the start of your command phase, you can select the benediction of the Amasai you did not select, and uh, this unit 
is, and that one is in, is active for that unit until the next command phase. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> under there are some tech priests. Well, there are some tech priests like the manipulus who have some decent guns. So this one could be useful in a pinch, but it's the one I'd be least likely to take. Yeah, get to the next one. It's my very favorite one. Yeah. Well, I wonder why, Dennis. Tempor, <laughs> Temporcopia, uh, the Bears unit, Tech Priest only, Bears unit has fights first. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that, those are both, that and the mantle are both must takes for this, yes. for this detachment. I mean, here, I'm going to say the bad thing. So, so you guys stop me. Reading through this one makes me think, man, what could I do with the Tech Priest, Electro Priest, Mechanicus army? And then I have to say, stop, you don't need another one. <laughs> right, right. Punch a lot of things in the face is what you do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right, next up, we've got the Explorator Manipul. Now, this one is interesting because this is all about uh, objective control, uh, at least their detachment rule. At the start of the command phase, select an objective marker. Until the start of your next command phase, that objective marker is your acquisition marker. Uh, each time an Adeptus Mechanicus model from your army makes an attack, if that model's unit is within range of your acquisition marker, or if the target is within range of the acquisition objective marker, reroll wound rolls of one. So basically it's like either I'm holding this one or I'm taking that one from you. I'm going to, I'm going to clear out everything on that or I'm not going to let you take this one. I mean, I'll say at first reading, I was like, Oh, this is kind of lame. But then as I got into the enhancements, I'm like, Oh, they all interact with each other. Then I got to the strategy. I'm like, Oh, they all interact with each other. And then I got thinking of, wait, this is actually very flexible because Every turn, you decide if you're going to attack mm-hmm. something or defend something. So this might turn out to be really strong in the sense that you have full control over what you want to do for that turn. Right. This is this is a spot area control detachment. Because like you said, the strats like almost entirely key off of that either objective markers or specifically your acquisition one. Um, so cached acquisition – uh, one Adeptus Mechanicus unit from your army that was just destroyed while it was within range of an objective marker you controlled, um, that marker remains under your control. So if they shoot you off an objective, it's still mine. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> priority Reclamation. Uh, fight phase just before one of your units consolidates. Um, it can consolidate up to six inches as long as it ends up within range of your acquisition marker. So, like, I fought you... You, I'm not quite within range of my objective. Boom, I'll get there. Info Slave Skull, you choose a tech priest during your command phase and one objective marker that is within 24 inches that is not your objective, your acquisition marker, but it gets treated like it is. That's that's a fantastic strat for this detachment. Like that one, I could almost see somebody using that like every turn if CP was not an issue. Auto-oracular retrieval in your shooting phase. You choose an admech unit that disembarked from a transport. Until the end of the phase, uh, each time a model in your unit makes a range attack that targets an enemy unit within range of your marker, add one to the wound roll. Uh, the more I look at that, it's like, okay, so adds one to the wound roll, and you still get to re-roll one, re- wound rolls of one. Okay, so it just makes it even more likely that you're going to wound them. Incense exhausts. When your opponent shoots or targets one of your uh, Mechanicus infantry units, and there's a smoke unit within six inches. Both units get stealth and benefit of cover, so you pop... 
So this, like, you want to get out of, like, this definitely wants you to have units also getting out of transports and then the transports protecting you. Uh, because both of them, yeah, get stealth and benefit of cover. And then finally, reactive safeguard. During your charge phase, just after an enemy unit has declared a charge, uh, you can re-embark inside a transport. <laughs> like, nope, it, we didn't mean to get out. Yeah. <laughs> nope, nope. Get back in. <laughs> but actually, that partners really well with the auto, if you have the CP for it, the auto-oracular retrieval. On your turn, I will pop out of the detach, I will pop out of the transport, I will shoot you, shoot you off the objective. Oh, crap, you're going to charge me? I'm getting back in my truck. So, this leads into the other note I have about this detachment is it is very CP hungry, so oh, I have yeah. a feeling it will run out of CP way too fast. Very possibly, because like all of these are really good stratagems. Like all of them just interact really well, as you said. But yeah, that like they're gonna eat up CP, which is why I think the Majos enhancement is a requirement in this one. Uh, Majos enhancement, tech priest only. If the bear is within range of your acquisition objective marker, uh, roll d6 on a four up, you gain a CP. Like that's a must have for this armor, just because it needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, janitor, tech priest model only. While the bear is leading a unit that's within range of your acquisition marker, they have a four up and vulnerable. Also very, very good for this. Uh, tech, pr- uh, logist, tech priest model only. While the bear is leading a unit, each time a mall night unit makes an attack that targets a unit within range of your acquisition ma- marker, add one to the hit roll. Uh, artisan, tech priest model only. While bear is leading a unit within range of your a- acquisition objective marker, uh, change the result of one hit roll, wound roll, or saving throw made for that unit to an unmodified six. That's always a good thing. And there's a fair amount of like devastating wounds in this army. So you yeah, could I actually do note some of real damage. that and did a side note thinking, huh, devastating is actually worse than mortal or more mm-hmm. impactful than mortal wounds now. Yeah. Uh, like this is one like I looking at these it's like I could actually see taking a detachment like take this army with like four tech priests and give each of them the enhancements like just because they're all good. I mean, you definitely want majors. Majors is unquestionable. The others like I, I mean, if you've got the points for it, none of they're not slouches. So now, unfortunately, I'm not going to talk about points when we do our review because the points are not accurate. They won't be. I we we do not have the final points yet. They'll change, and when January hits, they'll have the next. Yeah, we'll have. Yeah, when we changes. get the next. Yeah, the next uh, combat. You know, Minotaurum combat manual hits. We'll have updated points. But for as of right now, the you know if you we don't trust the points in this book, uh, unfortunately, the book will be out of date as soon as it arrives. Because that's just the way things go. Welcome to uh, Warhammer 40k, where the rolls are made up and the points don't matter. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I could definitely see t- trying to fit in as many of these enhancements. But yeah, Magus must take for this one because you just need the CP so much. Uh, and then finally, we, there are only five detachments in here. But finally, we have the Cohort Cybernetica, which uh, very simple detachment rule. Legio cybernetica units from your army gain doctrine and imperatives, which is darn which is cool. Not, which is not bad. The downside is that is two units. 
It is it is the Cataf or it is the Castellan robots and the Cybersmith. That's it. That's the only hey, units. Those who- Castellan robots could be an yeah. army of themselves. I mean, yeah, that's that's a strong core to build an army around. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're no, they don't become battle lines, so you could still only have three units of them. Although, let's see, can you still take them up to like six? <laughs> I believe so. Let's see. Uh, yeah, a two to four Castellan robots in a unit. So oh, you can, okay. ha- so you could now granted Castellan tend to be a little pricey and you wouldn't be able to yeah. have just them, but they're like T nine, seven wounds, two up, oh, five up, oh, they're bone for, I mean, they've always been good. They've always been yeah. very straight good. 12 and melee. They're, oh man, they are insanely tough and hard to get rid of, but also pricey to put on the table. Very pricey mm-hmm. to put on the table. I mean, they're in the 400 to 450 point range if you max out the unit size and you have to have, you really have to have a cybersmith with them. Right. But if you want to get them into melee, putting them in this detachment gives them the assault on their weapons. So you can just keep on advancing them until they get up to where they want to be. True. Um, they are considered walker vehicles. So this will, so a lot of these strats in here affect uh, Mechanicus vehicles, some specific, most specifically affect Legio Cybernetica, but also Mechanicus vehicles. So this is the, this is the robots and vehicles detachment. Cause all your other vehicles are Skatari, so they will also have Doctrina imperatives. Um, your strats, motive imperative, uh, choose one Adeptus Mechanicus vehicle from your army in your command phase until the start of your next command phase. Add three inches to its movement and one to its advance and charge rolls. Not bad. And as we'll see, there's <laughs> some other there's some other vehicles in here that will really benefit from that as well. Auto divinatory targeting. Select a cybersynetic, uh, cybernetica or adeptus mechanicus vehicle unit from your army and an objective marker in your command phase until the start of your next command phase. Um, your ranged weapons equipped by models in your unit have BS three plus and ignores cover, but they can only target units within range of that objective marker. So again, get off my objective marker. That's mine. Uh, machine spirit resurgent. Choose a cybernetica or mechanicus vehicle from your army. That's below starting strength uh, until the start of your next command phase. Uh, whenever that unit makes a hit, or it's below starting strength. Yeah, so it's yeah, effects on units below starting strength. They can reroll hit rolls. If they're below half strength, uh, they can reroll wound rolls as well. So basically, sisters of battle type effect. Machine superiority. Uh, choose a, le- a cybernetica or mechanicus vehicle unit from your army At, until the end of the turn. Your unit is eligible to shoot in which when it fell back, and you can ignore any modifiers to its characteristics other than saving throws, and or and or any roll. Or test made for it. So not just characteristics, but anything that would affect affect rolls as well. And not just hit rolls and wound rolls. All rolls except saving throws. It won't make you ignore AP. Um, transcendent Cogitation. Uh, again, select a Cybernetica or Mechanicus Vehicle Unit from your army until the start of your next command phase. Uh, conqueror and Im- Protector Imperatives are both active. And then Benevolence of the Omnissiah. Again, select a Cybernetica or Me- Mechanicus Vehicle it has six up, feel no pain, five up against mortal wounds. All of these also are triggered in your command phase. So there's no reactive stratagems here. This is all, I am planning my turn. This is what this unit will do on my turn until my next command phase. 
So uh, kind of a very deterministic kind of strategy. It's like, this is what I want to do, and I will push forward to do it. Um, enhancements, uh, necromechanic, uh, tech priest only. Uh, when a saving, th- once per battle round, when a saving throw for a friendly cybernetic or mechanicus vehicle model within 12 inches, the bears failed. They reduced the damage down to zero. Yes, that one. That one's very good. Uh, Lord of Machines, tech priest only. Select an enemy unit, an enemy vehicle within 12 inches of invisible to the bearer during your opponent's shooting phase. That unit must make a leadership test. If the test is passed, um, each time the, they make an attack, they subtract one from the hit, hit roll. If they failed, they cannot shoot. I like that one, too. It requires you to get a little bit cl- a tech priest, get a little bit closer to an enemy vehicle than I might like. But otherwise, yeah, it's that's a pretty <laughs> nasty one. Emotionless clarity uh, once per turn, tech priest only once per turn when a friendly cybernetica or mechanicus vehicle model with deadly demise uh, is destroyed within 12 inches. It just automatically blows up. I like you- that one, too. <laughs> And then Arch Negator, um, ranged weapons equipped by the Tech Priest have anti-vehicle four up. Which, yeah, that one you put on like a Manipulus with his like right. the, yeah. And these are just very solid enhancements down the board. Yeah. Um, I think of, of them, I think this is just the most narrow because it does really only affect vehicles and it really really wants you to take giant robots which are very expensive like this is going to be a low model count army if you take this one like this one I, also, I mean, giant robots are cool yeah they are and I'm, I'm looking at this i'm like man if i didn't do electro priest this would be the other thing i'd want to do is the giant robots the downside is i think your oc on this would be really hard because like castellans are only oc2 cyber so, um hey none of the, like all the vehicles cap out at like oc3 oc doesn't matter if your opponent's dead that's true (laughs) that is true but as we've also learned this is an addition about much more about playing to the objectives movement and playing objectives rather than killing i think this this army would have struggles yeah this this is the hardest one to win with it's probably what like the it'll be the lowest model count it's probably one of the most fun i think just because big stompy robots are cool yeah, but, and I can force my own things to blow up if you destroy them. Like you thought right. it was dead, it's taking you with it. <laughs> but it's also, yeah, this is the hardest one to probably win with. I think the best one's probably the Explorator Maniple. I really uh, like that one. I'm yeah. going to agree with you. My two favorites are Data um, Psalm and then the Cohort Cybernetica, but th- both of those are probably the hardest ones to win with. Oh, maybe other Skatari, but... Skatari, I think, has a lot of good flexibility, can play to objectives. Um, it's the, the Skatari Hunter cohort's the hardest one, I think, to pull off well. Like, it's, right, it's the th- one that has the most moving pieces that you have to handle. Mm-hmm. Agreed, but I think it has more win potential than, like, mm-hmm. cohort Cybernetica does. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Data Psalm Conclave is just, I think, more leaning towards a play style. Yes. And an aggressive play style can totally work. So, I think Damn this one... Right, it, it can. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> I think this one's an interesting one to pl- like, this one's interesting, if nothing else, like that, the data yeah. sum conclave, it's just a very different way to play your, your mechanicus. And I think that's cool that they have that. And I and, think three of us play that aggressive play style. Yeah. And then the rad zone <laughs> core is just like, it's the all around, like, balanced. if you, 
yeah, it's balanced. If you can't, if you don't want to lean too hard into one thing or another, it's perfectly fine. But I, I think of all these, like, I like the Explorator Maniple the most. I think that for me, that seems like the cool, both the, the most, for me, the most fun to play and just the one that has the best potential to really do some neat things. Yeah. And see, that's why I like having the codexes because if you and I both played Mechanicus, Rob, both of us would play entirely different styles. Yeah. Um, now, as far as unit changes, I was actually surprised there weren't a, like, you kind of get the impression that uh, with Mechanicus, they were more or less happy with how the army played. They just wanted to uh, change up like a few things like things like move some abilities around or, or like kind of retune a couple of things. Like I was, some of these I was, I was a little surprised by, but like none of them are huge. Um, the, the two biggest changes are obviously the new units, the Sidonian Scatros. And I say new units because we also got the Sidonian Dragoons split into two units. It used to be one unit where you either took the Radium Gisele or the Taser Goads. Now mm-hmm. it is two units, which also means you can double up on them because you're no longer limited to three. You can now have six as long as they have different loadouts. But we're going to talk about Stiltman first, the Sidonian Scatros. He is a, you know, he is a character. He cannot be your warlord as well. Sh- he should not be. He's a, he's basically like the Mechanicus equivalent of a Vindicare assassin. Um, and unlike a Vindicare assassin, he doesn't have to stand up in a statue to be tall. So, <laughs> oh, it's, statue it's sturdier. Tr- statue is much sturdier. Again, I, re- I direct you to Boeing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unsurprising, lone operative in stealth. That pretty much a given, uh, you know, for a sniper like that. He does have doctrine imperatives, which means, uh, and his weapons are already heavy, which means if he's under conqueror imperatives he could actually have assault as well abilities dread snipers in your shooting phase after a enemy unit is hit by one or more of those attacks the unit must make a battle shock test and achillium i if he takes his anti-infantry gun he can re-roll wound rolls against infantry if he takes his anti-vehicle anti-monster gun he can re-roll wound rolls against monsters and vehicles and when I say guns, the, he's got a Radium Gisele, which is anti-infantry three heavy precision. Or the Scatros Transuranic Arquebus is anti-monster four, anti-vehicle four, heavy precision. The differences between them, they're all ballistic skill three. Uh, the Gisele is strength five, AP minus two, three damage. The uh, Transuranic Arquebus is strength seven, AP minus two, D3 damage. I think I would go with the Giselle every time just to to be an infantry and character killer because three damage is much more effective against a character than D3 damages against a vehicle or monster. Agreed. And also, since you have that precision, you're, you can actually get the characters out while most monsters and vehicles you don't need precision against. Right. So it's like, yeah, I'd take the Radium Giselle every time. You're going to be hitting on threes, re-rolling wounds. Um, you're critically wounding on three up anyway. So it like it's basically this thing is just point and click do three damage against somebody. Fantastic. And 
if you take him in this Skatari uh, detachment, there's a couple of strats that are, or a couple of enhancements that are very, very good for him. So it's like the, like I could absolutely see taking two and just removing characters from the board just repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And then the other unit, as we said, is the Sidonian Dragoons got split into two. Um, the Dragoons with Taser Lances, uh, their thing is they can uh, declare a charge after they advanced or fell back, and they can reroll Desperate Escape tests. So if they get stuck in, no, they don't. And considering the Taser Lances, Taser Lance is interesting at Anti-Walker 2, Lance Sustained Hits 2, which is just an interesting... And then the Sidonian Dragoons with Duradium Gisales, at the start of the battle, you pick a uh, unit from your opponent's army, you reroll the Dragoons reroll hits against that unit. Uh, and their Radium Gisales are anti-infantry 3 plus heavy precision. So uh, if you really want to go anti-character, you've got the tools to do it. But also still anti-infantry 3, even though it's just one shot per, that's still... Uh, you know, three damage will three damage and two AP will do some real damage against a lot of marine like marines and marine equivalents. So it's like mm-hmm. like if somebody's got a particular marine unit that you know is just going to be a problem, just pick that one. I mean, both of these are good. Ten inches of movement. They've got a three up, five up, T seven, seven wounds each. And they are Mechanicus vehicles, so they can, you know, they are Skitari, they are Sidonian, they are vehicles, so they'll work with the Cybernetica cohort, they'll work with the, you know, the the Skitari detachment. I mean, they're, they're, they interact well with a lot of things. So, like, Sidonian Dragoons, they've always been a, them and the Iron Strider Ballastari have always been popular choices. They're going to be even more popular now i think there's just a lot of things that they work really well in well just in general mechanicus are kind of a slow and steady army so anything with 10 inch movement just gives you more flexibility the ability to get up get to places quickly the other things you can do with movement shenanigans depending on which detachment you take like they're they're just a really valuable unit that can fill a really interesting gap in that army Mm mm-hmm and you can take them in units of up to three. I mean, you can have them as one-offs, or you can take them up up to three. So, like, you can... I've played against armies. Now, granted, it was in older editions when I think you could take them up to six. But it's like, you can easily... They're on good-sized bases. You can flood the board with these and mm-hmm. screen, screen areas really well. And with a three-up, five-up, and seven toughness, seven wounds, it can take a while to wear them down. So like they can they can block off like fire lanes, they can like block off paths for for infantry to move through. Um if you have the ones that have like the the taser lances, they're four attacks each that you know, they can absolutely hold their own in a fight. Like you have three of them there, that's 12 attacks hitting on four, strength seven, AP minus two, two damage. They can clear out a unit of Marines and with sustained hits too. Like that's, there's a lot of potential to do a ridiculous number of hits with that. Yeah. Now, Sidonian Dragoons, really, really good choices for this army. Um, as far as like other changes, a uh, few, like some minor changes to uh, Belisarius Call. 
Uh, he used to offer uh, re-rolls to units within six inches with his Mantra of Discipline aura. Because he would choose, like, it's one of his three canticles of the Omnisci ability. Uh, it is now, in st- it used to be re-rolls. It is now, or I think it was re-rolls on leadership. It is now a uh, plus one to leadership and Battleshock tests. And then otherwise, he has uh, Shroud Psalm is another one. It used to grant stealth to Mechanicus units within six inches. It now provides cover. Six and one half dozen of the other. Just there are more things that ignore benefit of cover than there are that ignore stealth. So it's a little weaker, but not so much that, you know, that it's a big problem. He cannot, he is not a leader. He can't join anything. He does not have lone operatives. So he will be, unless he is within three inches of a Mechanicus unit. He's kind of like Bobby G or uh, Abaddon in that regard. And he must be your warlord if you take him. Uh, He's not a bad choice. He's just... He he is a very big model and uh, also a nightmare to build and paint. <laughs> he is so complex, <laughs> but it's nice to to see like again, kind of like with the other f- factions that we've seen so far. Like you're not locked into like you take this character and now all of a sudden look, the rest of your army is locked into this faction. True that, like you, yeah, you're you are not locked to a faction or a you know, sub faction or a play style now. So that is definitely a much better better go. Um, tech priest Dominus, which is probably your bigger tech priest uh, that can actually join units. Only major change to him is his phosphorus repenta option gained pistol, which considering you might be running him in uh, the uh, like the cult mechanicus detachment where he's going to be getting into close combat, that's actually an improvement. And he does still give uh, Electro Priests a four up feel no pain, gives everybody else he's leading a five up feel no pain. So it's like, yeah, they want you having him in with Electro Priests and getting into fights. Your Tech Priest Engine Seer used to grant uh, vehicles within three inches a four up and vulnerable. He now gives them a five up feel no pain instead. He just, you know, selects a unit within three inches in your command phase. Anyway, so yeah, Tech Priest Manipulus didn't really change, nor did the Archaeologist that I could see. We've talked about the Scatros. Uh, the Skatari Marshal, which is your one Skatari character that can join units. Um, his thing is, he used he used to have an ability attached to his control stave that said uh, units could still like, if a unit, if he was joined to a unit, he could still use stratagems even if they were battle-shocked. He lost that instead. But he can still, instead, he can be targeted, uh, or he can use a stratagem that's already been used. Although, does that apply only to battle? Has that been a, I guess this would be, this, I don't know if this takes the battle tactics, you know, into account. Since it doesn't specify a type of stratagem, I think it would only apply to battle tactics. Yeah, probably. Yeah, which, as I pointed out, there's a number of detachments that just don't have battle tactics. So just be aware of that. Uh, Let's see. The troops, the Rangers and Vanguard did not really change. They are still going to be, in most cases, the the core of your army. And in fact, like Rangers keep like Rangers give you sticky objectives, which is really, really good. Whereas and Vanguard... Uh, if they're within three inches of an enemy unit, uh, the enemy unit loses one OC. So Skatari Vanguard can just walk up and take an objective from you because they have OC two and you won't anymore. Right. 
Catafrons are still really solid. They are not battle line. But they've got both the Breachers and Destroyers as two different versions. So. Well, and they always have. Yeah. The, yeah. The, so you can still been... have six Catafrons in there. Right. Well, and they go up to units of six. So, like, you can still have a Flood lot. The <laughs> yeah. Uh, they did lose a little bit of range on their guns. Uh, the, the Breachers went from 36 and 48 to 30 and 36. That's Man, still a huge, it's ball. still a huge chunk of the board. And so I, that's, I don't really feel too bad about that. <laughs> And they do have, like, decent, like, the Arc Claw on the Breachers is a decent close combat weapon, so they'd still be good in the Cult Mechanicus detachment. Um, and they do have Doctrinas. They are the one Cult Mechanicus unit that has it built in. So, yeah, Cataphrons will still get a lot of work done, whether you take Breachers or Destroyers. The, the Breachers have higher toughness. Like T7 compared to T6 on the destroyers. The destroyers are there for the slightly bigger guns and Overwatch. But, and 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 yeah, the over hitting Overwatch on five up. I think the breachers are a little bit better just because they are tougher. Their guns are still very good. Yeah, I have- will agree with that. And the fact that their guns can either be kitted for anti-infantry or anti-vehicle, mm-hmm. but. I, I'm very fond of Overwatch, so I, I like having at least one unit that can kind of do that 5-up Overwatch for me. Yeah, I could see that. Electra Priests. Now, these are kind of interesting. Like, the Corpusari Electra Priests, they used to have the same ability as the Fulgrite Electra Priests. Like, they were they they did the same thing. Corpusari now have an ability that used to be on the Taraxi Sterilizers. But now they have their own ability. Now they have that ability, which sep- makes them d- feel different from the Fulgrite Electro Priests, rather than just having a shooting attack. So now, uh, when they shoot, you select a non-monster, non-vehicle enemy unit, and that enemy unit is minus two to move, minus two advance, minus two charge, which actually gives them, uh, you know, gives them more of a niche rather than just being like Fulgrite, but slightly shooty. Because the Fulgrites still have the, uh, if a character's leading this unit, they're minus one to be wounded. So Corpusari yeah. don't have that, but they they have the ability to, like, basically suck the motive force out of you, which is what they were, kind of did before in, like, older editions. So now this kind of gets them back to that. Yeah, Fulgrite, Electro Priests, they're just really tough, good fighty guys. I mean, I say tough, they're T3, but they're minus one to be wounded as long as they're led. So you're, and they have a five up field no pain. And if you have a, the right Tech Priest in there, it's a four up. Like if you Tech Priest um, Dominus, it's a four up field no pain. So yeah, put one of those in here. Uh, Sakarian Infiltrators now force a uh, enemy units within engagement range of them to take battle shock tests at the start of the fight phase, which yeah. is primarily there to deny the enemy unit, the use of stratagems, but right. So no more interrupts, no more reroll. It, it's, it's a very handy ability. And I remember in my grand narrative fight, these guys got into my lines and they were already wrecking things. So with them being able to battle shock, it, it's right. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And if they're within, you know, if an enemy unit's within six inches of them, they're minus one to leadership and battle shock tests, minus two if there's a battle line unit within six inches, you know, Mechanicus battle line unit within six inches. So it's like you can push forward with your uh, vanguards or rangers, you can actually like really shut them down. 
Rust Stalkers, I think, were pretty much unchanged. They still advance and charge better. They have stealth, but not infiltrators. Only the infiltrators have infiltrators. It says so on the name. But uh, and they've got precision on their attacks. I called them the character hunting. Unit. They are very much character hunters. And yeah, with anti-infantry, especially the transonic blades and cord claw on the princeps, um, having devastating wounds and anti-infantry three. That's, yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And precision. Yeah. Poof, yeah. Um, you get to the Taraxi, the Stice, the Sky Stalkers, which are the the sh- kind of shooty, like just with like flechette carbines. They really didn't change. Their thing is if they're not in engagement range after shooting, they can move six inches or 12 inches as long as they end up within range of a battle line unit. So they can, you know, sh- jump, shoot, jump. That's a neat tactic. Uh, they should probably bring that back to other units in the game. Yeah, one would, th- one would think. Uh, Taraxi Sterilizers, they used to have what the Corpusari have, which was like the minus two movement. Now, uh, when they ta- attack with their uh, f- their Phosphor Torches, which are flamers, if the enemy unit's within range and objective marker, you re-roll a wound roll of one. If there's a Mechanicus battle line unit within six inches, they can re-roll all- the full wound roll, which, not bad. Let's see, Cerberus Raiders and Cerberus Sulfur Hounds didn't really change much, but those are your Skitari mounted units. The Cerberus Raiders have carbines with devastating wounds. Um, the Sulfur Hounds have ignore cover weapons and flamers. After they finish a charge move, they roll a d6 for each model in the unit that's in engagement range. They add two if they started off next to a Mechanicus battle line unit, and then on a four up, the enemy unit suffers a mortal wound. So they can basically rush up, breathe mortal wounds onto you, and then fight you. Whereas the Cerberus Rangers do this, they do, instead of jump, shoot, jump, it's ride, shoot, ride, because they don't jump. But it's the same thing, they can shoot and then move. Um, Cybernetica Datasmith, he loses the infantry keyword when he joins Castellan, so he doesn't make the unit not work anymore. <laughs> I, I still have a question about his rules, the battle protocols. Uh-huh. Because it's you can have multiple Datasmiths attached to the same unit. Do each one of them, because in the battle protocols it says at the start of the battle, if this model is leading a robots unit, they enter Aegis protocols. And then you can select one of these protocols for that unit to enter, and it remains in that until it enters a different one. But it, on all the other type rules like this, it says if any of this type or anyone with this rule, you can do it like once. But this does not say that. Has that been fact, or can you have multiple protocols if you've got um, multiple data smiths? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, it says once a unit enters a protocol, it remains in that protocol until it enters a different one. So yeah, I think that think would imply that. One. Yeah, you could do one because, like, okay, you would. It's not like, as cool if, then. Yeah, if you had multiple <laughs> cybersmiths, you could have one. Like, if you you could have one select because they would happen in order. Like, you you'd choose the order that they would go in because it'd be your turn because it's your command phase. Oh, I, I see, because the Aegis Protocols is just, you pick one, and then whichever one, okay, yeah. So you yeah, it starts one. at Aegis Protocol, and then you if you change it, they lose Aegis and go into a different one. Okay. Unless you choose Aegis again. 
But yeah, the way it's set up, like you couldn't ever have two of them going because it would be in I, one and then it would switch to another. I mean, since you could have three data smiths, you could have three, and there's three here, you could have two do the attacks of range, two do melee, one more toughness, or put all three on toughness and make them nigh invulnerable. Uh, no, 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 it does not work that way. <laughs> also, they don't require a uh, leadership test to change the, the protocol anymore either. Which is it nice. just happens. Yeah, it just yes. happens now. So no, these are much better. Uh, the the Castle and robots themselves didn't change. They didn't have to. They're still a very very good unit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Iron Strider Balistari, We talked about them a little bit, but uh, they that's used the chickens. To, that's the chickens with the la- the chickens with like the las guns or auto cannons. Um, they used to be able to just charge after falling back, which doesn't really suit them because they are no. not close combat units. Instead, they can uh, shoot after f- uh, falling back or advancing. Oh, that's good. And also, their weapons are very much vehicle monster killing weapons. Oh, yes, they are. Sustained hits one and twin linked, and there are last cannons. Like, I why mean, would you ever take the auto cannons? Take the last cannons. The only downside of this unit or upside for me is they're pretty fragile and not just because of chicken legs <laughs> <laughs> now yeah t7 three up five up i mean there it's a it's not a bad stat line oh no it's a great stat line to have just note that they're going to be a primary target for your opponent to kill. oh you will, yeah which is why why you can you you screen them with other things whenever you can and just try to you know try to protect them. Also, you know they do have a way to get CP back if you target them with the stratagem on a D six on a five up. You gain a CP back. So right, and that rule I've got in my notes here. That's not just them. A lot no, of no, the mechanicus a, units. Yeah, have a lot that of the, same anything ability. with a broad spectrum data tether, which is like most of the army. Maybe yeah, not or the most, but stage. a lot. <laughs> yeah, the rangers, the vanguard. So that does kind of help soften the blow for like the explorator maniple because you have you have ways to kind of get refunds on a little bit of that CP. Now, granted, you're still limited to one per turn, so but it just means you have lots of opportunities to do it. Um, we've talked about the Sidonian dragoons, uh, the Scorpius disintegrator didn't really change. It's your attacky tank that can. Uh, Shoot 18 had, times. Yeah, shoot it, you know, shoots a lot and has access to indirect fire. Otherwise, you've got your transport, the Scorpius Dune Rider, which, uh, like, you're going to be using a lot of those, especially for, like, the Cult Mechanicus Detachment or the Explorator Maniple. Um, big change there is their Cognus Heavy Stubber Array, which is already rapid fire nine with nine attacks. Yeah, 18 um, shots. Can, yeah, gain twin linked also, so re-rolling wounds. So I mean, it can just put out a ton of small arms fire. Now the the scorpion, like the disintegrator, does not have nine shots. It only has three rapid fire, three and sustained hits, one, but no twin. Yeah, I don't care linked, about that? But, yeah, the but Dune the transporter. Yeah, the Dune Rider. I mean, for, I mean, the disintegrator can get work done. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but lots of little shots is what I was looking for out of of transport here. Yeah. Kind of clear out the stuff right in front of you so your guys can actually get out. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got the Onager Dune Crawler, uh, which, I mean, that's your big walking tank, has some of your bigger guns on it. Big change there is it used to ignore terrain, and it gave a, 
or it used to, yeah, it just used to ignore terrain entirely. Like you could just, as long as you didn't end up on a piece of terrain, I think as long as the terrain was shorter than like four inches or something. Now they just have a six inch bubble of battle line models have four, four up and vulnerable against range attacks. I think that's awesome. Like that is little, fantastic. Little walking force field generators. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we know where the Big Mech stole it from. <laughs> <laughs> Big Mech jacked it off a wrecked dune crawler. Yep. And then finally, you've got the three flyers, which the changes there, the Archaeopter Fusilov actually got a little bit weaker because it like it does the whole thing where like if you fly over a unit, you can bomb them and for each uh, like you roll six D six. It used to be on a three up. It did a mortal wound. Now it's a four up. So it does a, it's a little, it's a some a fewer uh, mortal wound out, you know, smaller mortal wound output, which I think balances the fact that mortal wounds are just kind of nasty. Uh, and then the Archaeo, Archaeopter Stratoraptor, its big change is its heavy phosphor blaster, which uh, like at three attacks, 36 inch range, BS4, strength six, AP minus one, used to be one damage, is now two damage. That's, d- you know, doubling its damage output. Not bad. Not bad at all. And then the trans vector, which is the transport, didn't really change. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, the, like, they, I think with the Mechanicus, they patched a lot of the holes. Like, it's not, it's still not what I would look at and like, oh my god, that's a superpowered army. But I'm looking at this army and like, I can actually see a lot of potential with it. Like, and I mean, it has a lot of theme value. Like, I, I'm still leaning back into the detachment saying, hey, do you want robots and vehicles? Or, hey, you want Electro Priests because they're cool looking? So, I, I really like that it feels like this is the first one that, maybe not first one, but definitely themed into the different models more than, I'll say, the Space Marines. Because Space Marines, it's kind of, each one seemed to f- um, Switch into the old chapters, and you can kind of see how the chapters fell into those. Well, this one, well, maybe because I don't remember if there was a Forge World that liked Electro Priest and a Forge World that liked the robots, but because I don't remember that, um, it I, I can see the different playstyles being based on the models more than old chapter slash Forge World rules. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, paint color doesn't really matter anymore. I just, I still, like I said, I still wish they would f- show off some of the different color schemes just for, oh, visual I will interest. agree with that. Yeah. But, Cause you want to see what, oh, I want to be like this people that they have the decals for. Yeah. Wait, you're only showing me Mars. Yeah. <laughs> but like overall, I, I like what they've done with the book. Again, none of it cries, cries out and he's like, oh God, this is the new broken. And it shouldn't. Like it just, but I look at it like, oh, but this is cool and this is cool and this would be fun to play. And I can see how this would actually be really effective. And that's what you want out of a codex. Like you want to see options. You want to see play styles. You don't necessarily want to see this is the new hotness. And I, I'm glad I, I like that. I well, think they did a, other than stilt man. I mean, the stilt man model is, <laughs> I will say the stilt man model is not so good that I feel like you need to rush out and get like two or three of them. And the transport to carry two or three of them because oh, gosh yeah. yeah but you know he's he's a decent model but he's not like a must-have he's fine he's fine uh, you know and that's, if, that's it, i'll say if i played mechanicus my little play group here has lots of leaders so having a sniper that can reliably take out those characters that are leading units would be very nice especially since like 
one of them is Eldar, and he always has spirit seers with his wraith. Once you kill the spirit seer, wraiths are, or you can kill them. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have the spirit seer dead, it's just wraiths are just too hard to deal with. Right. But yeah, like overall, I think, I think they did a good job on this. Like I, I, I'm not unhappy with, with Mechanicus book. And I also look at it as compared to like the eighth edition and ninth edition, especially the ninth edition Mechanicus book, which was just a nightmare to try to figure out all the overlapping auras and and benefits and upgrades. This is so much easier to manage, but still having, you know, mechanically different functional play styles. Well, so also over the years, they're, model line has increased to where I think finally they've gotten this is their their set model line and now they'll just add in one or two units now and then. Right. So you actually have a full fledged army. Yeah, I think just- they 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 feel well cuz they used they used to be where like Votan and World Eaters are right oh, now. Yeah. And now the, yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, they, they- at, at least when Mac- Mechanicus first came out, you had Mechanicus and Skatari as two separate books. Which Photon was don't worse. Even have this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, you have your Mechanicus, you have your Skatari, and you have your Knights. Oh, yeah, they didn't mention Knights at all here. That's interesting. I just well, they don't need that. to because Knights are kind of their own thing that you take well, as and a you separate can, deta- or like as an add-on to your detachment. Right. But in the past, it was a specifically a Mechanicus Knight you took for your Mechanicus army. And Which now, is also not a thing anymore. So. Right. right. Now, if you take one, it would be a free blade. Right. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, I think that wraps up the look at Mechanicus. Um, so uh, we are going to take a quick break at, for sponsor identification. And when we come back, we'll get into part two, which is our look at the Necron Codex and see if it gets quite the same treatment as Mechanicus. Uh, so we'll see you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a game mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area, 
and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for part two, which is our look at the Necron Codex. Now we've already covered the Necron fluff in the you know the part you know part one. Uh, so we'll just get right into the rules. And again, we'll talk about the army rule because this is very key to how this army functions as well. Uh, and and uh, yeah, in the history of Necrons, they've tried several times to get reanimation protocols or something like it working quite right. <laughs> and I think this is actually a pretty decent one. Wait, not uh, the one where you had to kill two thirds of the army, then the rest just vanished off the table? Uh, no, that, no. Was se- that was a separate <laughs> rule different than the reanimation protocols. Uh I know. You should bring that back. It was great. <laughs> no, it was not. It sucked. <laughs> no, no, it was not. I, this is this is probably st- still not my most favorite version of reanimation protocols, but that's also because the sixth, seventh edition one was just flat broken and was great. Uh, this is probably the most balanced. <laughs> yeah. Now this one is it basically if a unit has reanimation protocols, which is pretty much everything in this army. I think pretty much everything has this. Um, uh, at at the end of your command phase, every unit with this ability that's on the battlefield activates reanimation protocols, reanimates D three wounds. Each wound that is reanimated either restores a missing wound to a unit, or if the next if there are no units with missing wounds, restores a lost model to the unit with one wound remaining, which, you know, like a lot of the units, like your Necron Warriors and stuff only have one wound. So that's just boom, you know, models getting back up. But it also means like your characters are constantly regenerating damage. Yep. Uh, you know, your vehicles are constantly regenerating damage. And it's one of the things that has made this army very difficult to deal with, even in this incarnation, like the index incarnation had some things that could make it particularly oppressive to deal yeah. with you can't split fire you can't you can't like kind of hope i kill something you need to focus on one entire unit and get it gone gone because anything living or even with one model left if you ignore that for one or two more turns it might be back at full strength this reanimation protocols is very very strong yeah yeah, it is. It's a very strong ability. And so to kind of adjust for that, a number of the abilities in the codex that key off of animation or reanimation protocols have been toned down or made like once for battle or things like that. So it's not quite like there were some things that were just really gross uh, that were making units very difficult to shift. And now, like, I think it's still good, but they're it's it's a little bit more fun to play against. Uh but we're gonna we'll get to those in a bit. Let's start looking at the detachments. Um, we're gonna start off with the Awakened Dynasty. This is the one that was in the index, and it's had a few changes, but uh, nothing nearly as radical as like the Rad Cohort, because the Rad Cohort was bad. The Awakened Dynasty is fine, and the Awakened Dynasty is all about having your l- units led by characters. And in fact, the detachment rule is when a Necron character model is leading this unit, um, the unit gets plus one to hit. Good. Very, very good. Very solid. Very simple to understand. Yeah. I mean, do you want my note on this one, Rob? Sure. It said, this is BS. They just have to put a character unit to get plus one to hit. We have to, like, kill something. 
<laughs> or we have to have something killed. Yeah, that's what it yeah. was. Or or Tau has to like spend half the army not shooting dick bake shooting. Get right. plus one. So yeah. They just have to so put in, a dude in charge. So in essence, yeah, this is very strong. <laughs> yeah. Um and then your strats are all kind of a lot of them get better when a character is involved. So Protocol of the Eternal Revenant. This is one where when one of your characters dies, you get to bring it back with half wounds remaining. Yeah, I've seen that happen so many times. It's just like, why bother killing the characters? Right. <laughs> now, each model can only be targeted by this once per game. So, like, you can't just have a character just keep getting back up. That's, but, uh, yeah, but he's always regenning. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Protocol of the Undying Legions, just after an enemy unit shot or fought one of your units and you lost models, you get to reactivate, you get to activate reanimation protocols immediately and regenerate, reanimate D3 wounds, D3 plus one if there's a character in the unit. So just in, you know, for one CP, bring D3 guys back or D3 wounds back. Um, Protocol of the Hungry Void, uh, this one uh, basically adds one to your, to your strength in the fight phase. If a character's leading unit also improves one by the AP, that's the same as before. Uh, it just, it no longer stacks with other AP increases. So you can't get ridiculous with it. And so far, like these have been unchanged. I think Eternal Revenant uh, got reworded a little bit, but it's functionally the same. Protocol of the Sudden Storm, your weapons gain assault and you can reroll advance moves if there's a character present, also unchanged, also still very good. Uh, Protocol the Conquering Tyrant. You reroll uh, ones to hit within half range. If you're there's a character leading, you reroll hit rolls in the shooting phase. Also very, very good. Uh, it, it used to be rerolling wounds, though. So now it's just rerolling hits. So tone down a little bit and makes you're less likely to be like fishing for devastating wounds or things like that, if that matters. Uh, and then Protocol of the Vengeful Stars, this was changed significantly. It used to be one CP, and it used to basically say, hey, if one of your Necron units was destroyed, another Necron unit within six inches of it gets to shoot at the unit that shot it. Um, now it is two CP, and only a, a character can do it. So, like, if one of your units was destroyed... A character unit can shoot at the uh, unit that shot up your Necron unit. I this one I like. I don't think people will, will use it at two CP with, no. especially with just a character shooting. It's, especially considering a lot of the characters don't have range weapons. Like depending on what you take, I, so some have like twelve inches. Some yeah, some do. But it's like <laughs> Protocol of Vengeful Stars is pretty much a no go. But the rest of them are all pretty solid. Enhancements, Veil of Darkness has always been a fantastic, you know, back when it was a relic in the olden days or a unit upgrade, like it's always been very good. And it basically pop a unit off the board, read a deep strike it somewhere else on your next turn. Yeah, great. Um, and you use it at the end of your opponent's turn. So basically you deep strike your neck on your next turn and just move them away. Um, then they, they changed up these three of the, or Three of the other enhancements, one of them just got a rename. Two of them got changed a little bit. There's the Nether Realm casket, uh, which basically gives a unit that you're leading stealth. This used to be called the Hypermaterial Ablador, and it used to give cover within a, 
as a 12 inch aura. So very, very different. Now it just gives stealth. The Phasal Subjugator, this used to be called the Sovereign Coronal. And what it used to do was treat a unit as being led by a character. Now it gives the unit plus one to hit, which is the same effect as being led by a character. But because you're not considered led by a character, it makes those stratagems don't interact with it the same way. So this is a more balanced version of doing it. And then there's the Enagic. And it, yeah, they're making up words now. The Anagic Dermal Bond, which used to be called the Simp Internal Weave, it's still the same thing. It's a four-up filmo pain. Yeah. Which is very oh, good. Of all the detachments, I know this is the the basic one, and this is probably is the Take All Comers one, mm-hmm. but this one also feels like it's the most reanimation and most survival of all of them. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And this, this, it is the well-rounded you know, everything is good. Keep it all alive. Keep characters alive. Just do your thing. Yeah, it's it. Any any Necron build will work with this pretty much. Uh, next up, you've got the Annihilation Legion. This is the one that is leaning in towards Destroyer Cults and Flayed Ones. And Destroyer Cults, that's not just your, like, Scorpic Lords and Scorpic Destroy- Locust Lords and your Scorpic Destroyers and your Phidians. It also includes your, like, Hexmark Destroyers, the, uh, and of course, Flayed Ones, you know, Heavy Destroyers, things like that. So it does key off of a decent number of, of units. And this is a melee detachment, to be sure. Every time one of your armies declares, or one of your destroyer cult or flayed ones units uh, declares a charge, you can re-roll the charge roll. If one or more of the targets is below half strength, add one to the charge roll. So they want to finish off units as well. And a number, a couple of things in here key off of that uh, half strength or below half strength, which you know you got to get them to below half strength before it really goes off. Unfortunately, that's the the one downside. Your strats, Mask of Death, uh, in your opponent's shooting phase or fight phase, just after they've selected your targets, if they targeted a Destroyer Cult or Flayed One, um, you can make them subtract one from the hit roll. Just you know, keep yourself, again, keep yourself alive to get into melee. Spore of Frailty, during the shooting or fight phase, after one of your units that ha- you know is selected to shoot or fight, uh, th- if they target a unit that's below starting strength, they add one to the hit roll. If the target's below half strength, they add one to the wound roll as well. So again, they want to finish off wounded units. Murderous reanimation. Um, Just after uh, one of your units uh, destroyed an enemy unit or caused an enemy unit to drop to below half strength, your reanimation protocols activate and you heal D3 wounds. Which I find that interesting, but the fact that I don't know. It seems easier to reanimate in the other one. Mm-hmm. No, because you have to do a certain thing to be able to trigger it, not just have something done to you. Uh, Pitiless Hunters, fight phase, you select a Destroyer Cult or Flayed One unit that hasn't fought yet. Uh, they can make a pile-in or consolidation move of six inches instead of three until the end of the phase. Not bad. Uh, blood-filled cruelty uh, in your opponent's movement phase just after they make a fallback move. Uh, you can force, if they fell back from a Destroyer Cult or Flayed Ones unit, uh, you can force them to take uh, D3 mortal wounds on a 2 to 5 or 3 mortal wounds on a 6. And then you can make a, a normal move and get as close as you can to that enemy unit and just chase <laughs> them. 
I like that. Uh, and then Insanity's Ire, uh, after one of your Destroyer Cult or Flayed One unit models has had a unit or has had a model destroyed by that attack, uh, you can move clo- make a normal move towards the unit that did it. I also so, like this one. So much yeah. better than the old Chaos one where you could kite something around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then your enhancements are... Uh, Eternal Madness, uh, fight on death on a four up. But that's each time a model in your unit is destroyed. So if you're leading, like if you've got a Scorpec Lord u- leading a unit of Scorpec destroyers, um, they just keep, you know, even when you kill one, they just, they have a chance to fight back. That one's not bad. Um, ingrained superiority, uh, each time a model in the bear's unit makes an attack, uh, critical wounds improve, uh, AP by one. Uh, Soulless Reaper, Destroyer Cult model only. Each time an enemy unit within engagement range it falls back, you roll a d6 on a 3-up, they don't get to. This is this a must-take. That's a must-take. I like yeah. it. <laughs> Exalted 8-bound have this, and oh my god, it is so good. <laughs> uh, Eldritch Nightmare, Destroyer Cult model only. At the start of the fight phase, each enemy within engagement range of the bearer must make a Battleshock test. Also good, but Reaper's Reaper is really good. So, yeah, Soulless Reaper is the must-take. The others, like, Ingrained Superiority is the one I think is the, like, the least useful of them. Because you got a hit and then you got a crit wound. So, yeah. But uh, Eternal Madness is okay. Eldritch Nightmare is okay. Soulless Reaper, that's what you, you want. You don't want them to get away mm-hmm. from you. Canoptic Court. Now, this one is interesting. It's a little bit complex at first to sound like. It kind of reminds me of the Chaos Demon's, like, control zone ability. So, certain areas of the battlefield are considered to be within your army's power matrix. Your deployment zone is always in your power matrix. If you control half the objectives in No Man's Land, then that's in your power matrix. And uh, if you control half the objectives in your opponent's deployment zone, it's part of your power matrix. And it checks this on a phase-by-phase basis. So it can change throughout a turn, possibly, as you kill kill units off of objectives and things like that. Um, Each time a cryptic or canoptic unit, which is actually quite a few units in this army... Uh, makes an attack, re-roll a hit roll of one. If the unit is wholly within your power matrix, they re-roll hit rolls. <laughs> this gets st- scary stupid real fast when you realize how many units are involved. Because you're talking, besides the various crypt techs, which there's like four, I think. You've also got like Cryptothralls. Uh, Canoptic Reanimators, Canoptic Scarabs, Canoptic Spiders, the Dooms- Canoptic Doomstalkers. Uh, so there, uh, and Canoptic Wraiths, like there's a lot of things that can just benefit from, oh yeah, I just reroll hits. Um, your strats, Curse of the Cryptech, just after an enemy unit is shot or fought, uh, you pick a Cryptech model that was destroyed until the end of the battle. Each time another Canoptic makes an attack that targets that unit that killed them, add one to hit and wound. So it's like, oh, you killed one of my Cryptechs, the rest of them will kill you. Sinosure of Eradication, uh, start of your fighting or shooting phase. Uh, you select a Cryptek or Canoptek unit wholly within your power matrix until the end of the phase. Their weapons have devastating wounds. 
And remember, you're, you know, you're, you are only rerolling hits, not wounds, but that means that's a lot more hits to get a chance to trigger, uh, devastating wounds. Solar Pulse. At starting your shooting phase, you select a Cryptek. Select an objective marker within 18 inches of your Cryptek. Uh, your Necron models, uh, ignore cover when targeting things within range of that objective marker. Uh, reactive subroutines, and all of these are 1 CP, by the way. Uh, reactive subroutines, after an enemy unit has made a normal advance or fallback move, uh, you select a canoptic unit within 9 inches of that unit. Uh, your unit can make a move up to 6 inches. So, oh, you moved away from me? No, the canoptic wraiths will chase you down now. Even after they made a fallback move. <laughs> Counter-temporal shift, uh, your opponent's shooting phase just after an enemy unit has selected its targets. Uh, it basically, um, you select a canoptic unit that was a target, and now it gains effectively lone operative. They can't target it if it was, if they're more than 12 inches away. Uh, and then suboptimal facade, uh, after your opponent has declared a charge, j- um, you select a canoptic model that was charged, you trigger reanimation protocols. So, uh, yeah, it basically, if it's like, there's a few things that key off of your power matrix, but most of it is just to make your, like the power matrix is mostly there just to make your hits better. And then everything else is just making your canoptic stuff like, oh yeah, you can't get away from it. You can't kill them. They're just going to get you. Um, and then, your enhancements, dimensional sanctum, cryptic model only models in the bears unit have infiltrators, which is going to be really good for expanding that power matrix early on. Um, hyperphasic fulcrum, uh, while the bear is also cryptic on all these are cryptic only while the bear is leading a unit. If that unit is wholly within your power matrix, uh, reroll wound rolls of one also very, very good. Um, auto divinator, uh, each time your opponent gains a CP as the result of an ability, roll a D6 on a two up, you also gain a CP. And then, uh, metodermal Tesla weave, uh, once per phase when an enemy unit selects the bear's unit as the target of a charge, roll a D6 on a two to five, that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds on a six, they just suffered three mortal wounds. There's some really strong tools here. Like this one, it definitely leads you to focusing on a particular unit set, which is Cryptex and Canoptic stuff. But as I said, that's a decent chunk of army. And all this stuff is really good for that. Like rerolling re- so many rerolls, that's like, that's almost Eldari levels of scary. <laughs> um, the Obeisance Phalanx, this is all about the big leaders. So this isn't as focused on like having models in units like the Awakened Dynasty. This is just about like your Triarchs, your Lich Guard, your Overlords. In your command phase, select one enemy unit until the start of your next command phase. Uh, each time an Overlord, Lich Guard, or Triarch unit from your army makes an attack that targets that unit, add one to the wound roll. So it's just like, pick a unit, that one's, we're gonna try to kill that thing, and we're gonna, and most of the units that will be involved have very good, like, weapon and ballistic skill already, so you're gonna get the hits, most likely. So now it's about sticking the wounds. And then, uh, your, Strats are very focused on, on warlords, lich guards, praetorians. There's a couple that aren't. 
So there's your time is nigh. Any phase after your opponent's warlord is destroyed, um, your warlord is the target, and each time an enemy unit takes a so basically it's just like after you kill your opponent's warlord, any time an enemy unit makes a battle shock test or leadership test, subtract one for the rest of the game. Um, enslaved artifice uh, in your shooting or fighting phase, you select a non-Titanic Necron unit that hasn't been selected yet. Um, you crit on fives anytime they make an attack for that phase. Nano assembly protocols. See, in your opponent's shooting or fight phase after they have selected their targets, you select a Necron vehicle that was a target of the attacks, reducing coming damage by one. Um, Sentinels of Eternity in the fight phase, just after they've targeted one of your Lich Guard or Trag Praetorian units, um, you fight on death on a four up. Suffer no rival. You select a Lich Guard or Triarch unit from your army that has not been selected to fight this phase. Uh, your attacks have precision. And then Territorial Obsession. Uh, you select a Lich Guard or Triarch Praetorian unit from your army. Add one to their OC. If it's a vehicle, add three to the OC. Uh, and then the the enhancements, all for Overlords only. Uh, honorable Combatant, every time you uh, destroy an enemy character unit, the opponent loses a CP if they have any. That's just mean. <laughs> yeah, I do think that's funny. That that's it's mean. It's powerful. It's like yeah. It's but it's just it's mean more than anything I'm, else. I'm hoping that uh, Dark Eldar gets something similar because they should. Yeah. <laughs> Um, unflinching will overlord model only your attacks have your melee weapons specifically have precision and anti-infantry five up so you are there to this is kind of like the kill other people and take their stuff kind of detach like kill characters and take their stuff detachment warrior noble every time a melee attack targets you subtract one from the hit roll and Eternal Conqueror, each time a model in the bear's unit makes an attack that targets an enemy within range of an objective marker, you can reroll the hit roll. This one, I find kind of boring, honestly. It, because it works with a very small subset of models, and it, I mean, it makes them a little bit better at doing what they, it's definitely the, you know, pick one thing out and kill it, then pick one thing out and kill it. But it just, it, it doesn't really do anything that interesting. So it, it kind of feels like its best matchup is actually if you're playing Necrons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> enough. Yeah. Like that's, that's kind of what it feels like. It's like, Oh, I, yeah, I need to focus on this and kill thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's not as interesting as the other ones. No. Uh, and then finally we get the Hypercrypt Legion, which they had teased a bit before. And um, this is the, we do teleportation shenanigans. I, I vote for this one. Everyone should take this one. It's the best one of all of them. <laughs> it's it's pretty decent, not gonna lie. Um, yeah, yeah. And if you're a Grey Knights player or you're familiar with Grey Knights, you'll know how this one works. At the end of each of your turns, based on game size, you pick uh, a number of your Necrons units uh, that aren't in engagement range, and they get to go back in strategic reserves. Yeah, I. It, this is as somebody who's played Grey Knights. This is pretty sweet. Yeah. Now I will say 
that unlike Grey Knights, not everything in this army has Deep Strike. So that, that means they'll be true. coming in other places. But this also, this is the detachment says, take a monolith. Take two monoliths. You really want to be taking a monolith. So many of the stratagems here. Probably two, yeah. Yeah, so many strats here want you to take monoliths. And I'm all for that because, I don't know, back in the day, but I remember the monolith was like the symbol of the Necrons. Oh, yeah. Every Necron army they had. Well, okay, yes, it was the only vehicle they had. (laughs) And it was nigh invulnerable back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. It also moved insanely slow, but yeah. It did. <laughs> uh, but let's see. You've got hyperphasic recall. This one's 2 CP. Uh, two of the strats in this are actually 2 CP. This one's a little bit more expensive. But for 2 CP, in your opponent's shooting or fight phase, after an enemy unit has shot or fought, uh, you, check a, you select a Necron infantry unit from your army that had one or more models destroyed and a friendly monolith model. You remove that infantry unit from the battlefield and then set it up within six inches of your monolith. So it's like, oh, you killed one of my guys. We're over here now. (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like a monolith within so much range of them. It could be a monolith across the board. You could just been moving a monolith across the board, kind of on the flank up towards an objective and then just like, nope, now they're over here. I mean, it's distraction Necron. It's like Mm -hmm. a monolith could be like a webway gate in a way. Pretty much, Just teleport yeah. stuff to it. Yeah. Quantum deflection. Uh, when your opponent's shooting phase or the fight phase, just after they've selected targets, you select a Necron vehicle, <clears throat> monolith, that was a target. It, it doesn't say monolith, but we know what they mean. <laughs> that was a target <laughs> of one of the attacking unit's attacks. Uh, that unit gets a four-up and vulnerable. Uh, reanimation crypts. Uh you in your command phase, you target your warlord, so your warlord has to be on the table. But you target your warlord. Each of your Necrons units in reserve trigger reanimation protocols. Yep. So they don't even have to be on the board to heal, which is great. Well, they have to be off the board to heal, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, well, normally reanimation protocols doesn't trigger if they're in like reserves, right? So, so this means they you can still heal things even after you've pulled them off the board on your you know at the end of your opponent's turn, right? Cosmic Precision, in your movement phase, you select a Necron unit that has arrived using Deep Strike or Hyperphasing. Um, the unit can now be set up anywhere on the battlefield more than three inches away from enemy models, but cannot charge, which is fair. Uh, dimensional Corridor, this one costs two CP. In the charge phase, you select a Necron unit that was set up from a Monolith's Eternity Gate. They can charge. <laughs> Uh, and then entropic damping, uh, your, in your opponent's shooting phase. Oh, and that dimensional corridor was two CP. Uh, then entropic damping, uh, one CP, your opponent's shooting phase just after they've selected your targets. If they t- selected a titanic model, which again will be a monolith and is within 18 inches of the attack, uh, your enemy's units have hazardous. <laughs> yeah, I think that one's just funny. <laughs> We're going to overload your weapons, huh? Yep. Uh, and then your enhancements, Dimensional Overseer, uh, all these are just Necron models, so you're, you've got a lot more flexibility on who it can be on. Uh, while the bear, uh, so Dimensional Overseer, while the bear is on the battlefield or in strategic reserves, add one to the number of units that can be, that you can select for hyperphasing. I think that one might be a must have. Yeah. Just to be able yeah. to pull four units off the battle in a straight, in a 2000 point game instead of three, mm-hmm. that's, yeah. yeah, that's a must have. 
Um, Arisen Tyrant, each time a model in this bear's unit makes an attack, re-roll a hit roll of one. If the bear's unit was set up on the battlefield this turn, re-roll the hits instead. Hyperspatial Transfer Node, uh, you auto-advance six inches, which is good for an army that is otherwise a little bit slow on foot. And then Osteoclave Fulcrum, uh, you have Deep Strike. Like, the bear, models Yay. in the bear's unit have Deep Strike. <laughs> so, like, that on, like, a Necron Lord who's attached, like, a unit of Immortals, just bloop, deep, mm-hmm. like, pull them off the board, Deep Strike, shoot. Pull them off the board, Deep Strike, shoot. Yeah. Like, this one, like, has, has a very definite play style. And... I've also I've seen it pointed out by a couple other people, and I hadn't really thought of this at the time because when you're reading it, it's like monolith, monolith, monolith. Also, considering the artwork on this page features the Void Dragon, also really good for Satan because you can pull them off the board, and I think they mm-hmm. and just redeploy them. And Satan, yeah. are, oh, excuse me, and Satan are very hardy, very tough to kill, and all have really cool abilities. Yes, yeah, yeah they're very, very much. I just like this because this is this is a completely different playstyle than what Necrons were able to do before, and yeah. like, I think that's very exciting because Necrons were kind of a a plotting, you know, slowly advanced, consistent like mid range shooting army, and this allows you to be so much more dynamic with them. Yeah. No, I th- I think this one is like the most interesting as far as like alternate playstyles. Um, the cryptic one I think is could potentially be the most powerful. Um, I mean, Annihilation I think, Legion's fun too. Yeah, that that one's just fun. <laughs> um, I f- like I find the the Abeesan's Phalanx is the the least interesting to me. Yeah, for me, just- I'd say the Awakened Dynasty is probably to me still the strongest because that just won't go away. It's it's me, the, it's a good all rounder. Yeah. But for me, the most fun is definitely Hypercrypt. Yeah. No, Hypercrypt is just the neatest. And, like, even without running monoliths, it's still decent. But you definitely want to have at least one and probably two monoliths on the table to really get the most out of it. Which does mean you will have fewer units to pull off because monoliths are expensive. But depending on, like, if you have that, like... The the overseer, the dim- dimensional overseer, you're pretty much like you could be pulling the biggest chunk of your army off the table and then putting it back on and then pulling it off and putting it back on. Now, getting into data sheets, originally I was like, okay, yeah, we can get through this. It probably won't be that bad. Oh my gosh, there's so many minor changes. Yeah. I, like, I was surprised by it's like there's. Like I had three pages of changes listed, but I can I can sum most of them up in that there's a lot of units that gained an inch of movement, a lot of them, or or lost an inch of movement because there's there was a few some that lost. yeah, but yeah, uh, that, mostly it was yeah movement changed, yeah, which is interesting. Yeah, so like the Silent King, Scorpec Lords, Locust Lords. Triarch Praetorians, Scorpic Destroyers, Ophidian Destroyers, Locust Destroyers, Locust Heavy Destroyers, Canoptic Reanimators, Canoptic Scarab Storms, Canoptic Wraiths, Canoptic Doomstalkers, Annihilation Barge, Doomsday Arc, Obelisk, Tesseract Vault, Monolith, all gained an inch of movement. 
they kind of realized they had made them too slow in the index. So they gained an inch of movement. And that's good because like most of this arm, like the infantry primarily is like a five inch movement. They're slow infantry, but the vehicles and the, the units that need to move faster definitely got what they needed out of it. So, uh, so that's very good for them. They, they needed that a little, and it gives them, gives them a little bit more of a dynamic, um, component. Also, yeah. while a few mu- units did lose an inch of movement, and that's primarily the Satan, all lost an inch of movement, but in exchange, they all gained five up, feel no pain. Yeah, I'll take that trade. Yeah, that's that's a that's a fair trade. And uh, uh, one oh, thing with the Silent King, uh, since we we're kind of talking about him, like gaining movement, they cleaned up the rules on like deadly demise within mm-hmm. with the unit because there was an argument before, and I think they maybe have FAQ'd it, but there was an argument on the index as written that each of the uh, the men here, like the little like things that float around with him when they blow up they would deadly demise which could then cause the other one to deadly demise which could cause his and you could basically chain it and they've like cleared that up and like no that's not how it works it's just him <laughs> don't just don't it, yeah. be stupid <laughs> <laughs> um and uh like they like the silent king he they also uh changed up his auras a little bit his his the silent king aura used to be just i remove battle shock from a unit within 12 inches kind of like uh gosh was it did bella was it bearless anyway uh yeah i think yeah, it's call i think it was yeah call. i think yeah. belisarius call yeah just removes battle shock uh now his is not that anymore it is now a six inch aura of plus one leadership it, it within six inches of the zarek model it doesn't sp- like the men here's don't also give that. Mm-hmm. And then um his Pharaoh of the Blades Triarch ability uh is actually a bit better. It used to be just reroll charges. Now it's reroll charges and plus one strength to a unit within six inches. So that's also like really solid. Um I mean he's still a very nasty heavy hitter. The you know, the men here's have annihilator beams, which are like strength 14 damage six. Um, <laughs> he's got the scepter of eternal glory and staff of stars, which also no slouches. The step of scepter is uh, devastating wounds, strength 10 AP minus three, three damage. The staff of stars has indirect fire and has 12 attacks strength six. So, I mean, he still puts out, a ton of damage. He's very nasty to get into close combat with 12 attacks at strength eight AP minus three, two damage. Yeah. Yeah. He's terrifying. He's a beast. He's a beast. Um, speaking. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. also agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> as far as characters, uh, there's several that are no longer with us. Anrikar the Traveler, Vargard Oberon, Nemesaur Zandrek, and the generic Necron Lord. Because they were only available in Finecast, they have been booted into the void and are no... I don't even think they got legended. Maybe they will get legended eventually, but they are gone. Yeah. I hope they get added to Legends. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm sure they will. Because Oberon and, and, and Zandrek were like two of my favorites to run. Yeah. Everyone liked them. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and and honestly, like it having the Lord losing the Lord sucks a little bit from the perspective of uh, 
the Awakened Dynasty because you can't spread characters out quite as much, but they've fixed that a little bit by adding in the Royal Warden and some of the other things. So right. it's really kind of it's really kind of just shifting chairs around. But right. yeah. Uh, and we we do technically get a a new overlord unit. They split out one particular upgrade because they made a new model, and the, so therefore it can't just be a war gear option. It has to be a new unit, which does mean you can have six overlords theoretically on the table. Right, oh, right, yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, the Silent King not an overlord, so he does not benefit from most of the stuff in the obeisance phalanx. Just noting. <laughs> I don't know that he needs, he needs it though. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But it's just like, uh, like he does nothing triggers off of him, him other than him being a vehicle. Um, Emotech's back. He not, didn't really change, but he's got a, a nice new model in plastic. I mean, he does mortals just by standing around him, right? Illuminor Zerus, who is a Cryptek who will be very strong in the I reroll hits detachment. He did get his mechanical augmentation aura adjusted. It is now starts at three inches, but it grows every time he destroyed one or more models in the fight phase. So it grows like three inches every time he does that. But it uh, also caps out at 12 inches so it can't just get ridiculous but <laughs> but also i mean it, he would have to kill like to get to 12 he would have to kill units in the fight phase in four different phases so yeah or not three different phases like you could max it out by end of game most likely but he's still he's still a pretty nasty nasty beast to bring around i mean his eldritch lance can put out a lot of damage whether in close combat or in shooting. Um, so, yeah, he's still pretty good. Uh, Trazen didn't really change. Oricon got a new model, but didn't change. And, you know, Oricon also Cryptek. So he gets to play around in the Cryptek uh, detachment. And once, once per battle, his weapon just kills something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but just a little bit. Yeah, the the, really. the stars are right ability is really good and it has been for for a while. So yeah, just yeah, every successful wound is a crit. Yeah, and triple the attacks and strength. So he's swinging six. At, he suddenly is swinging six six attacks at strength twelve. That auto crit. Yeah, <laughs> and then we get the, our our new overlord, the overlord with translocation shroud. Now, unlike the regular overlord, he doesn't get any war gear options but his big thing is uh he can he uh, he and his unit auto advance six inches and uh he can just move through enemy he and his model his unit can just move through enemy units when they advance fall back or make a normal move they can move through models move through terrain they just can't end up on top of another model but yeah that's like just ignoring terrain now, granted, they do only have a five-inch movement, and uh, he doesn't have any shooting, so um, you want to charge, and he doesn't get an advance and charge ability. But for getting into position for a charge, you know, in, in earlier turns, he's not bad. Also, they reworked the Resurrection Orb. Uh, so the Resurrection Orb used to be you would just, like, resurrect a like a unit's Resurrection 
uh, protocols would like you'd select one every turn. There we go. So the old resurrection orb was like while the bear is leading a unit, uh, their res their reanimation protocols would trigger on your opponent's command phase in addition to yours. So like every turn, not just every round, every turn they were healing. Now it's once per turn or once per battle you select the unit you're leading and they resurrect three uh, d six instead of d three. Like every overlord can have one of these, but oh, you can only trigger this once per turn. So like if you have multiple overlords, you still only get to use one res orb a turn. So I, that does tone down the uh, the you can't kill them at all aspect of, of Necrons quite a bit. Yeah, but it still gives you still gives you kind of that ability to do some clutch resurrection when you need to. So I, I, right. I like it. It's it's probably more balanced this way. No, it, it, it's better that it it, it it tones it down while still allowing it to be good. That's that's what you want out of it. Uh, Catacomb Command Barge. They also got the updated res orb. It's just theirs because they can't lead a unit targets um, Necron infantry or mounted unit within six inches, but it's functionally the same once per game. D six instead of D three. Uh, Scorpec Lord, like we said, got plus one move. He also got, and the Locust Lord also ha- can have a res orb, also got the same updated res orb uh, wordings. And also they got the Destroyer Cult keyword so they can tie in with the Annihilation, uh, uh, the Annihilation Legion. The Royal Warden uh, used to have, like, he had an ability called Adaptive Strategy that used to give the unit he was leading, uh, all their range weapons got heavy and assault. Now, instead, they can shoot and charge in a turn in which they fell back. I think that's, I don't know if that's better. I mean, it makes him more of a reactive than an active unit. But not being able to tie them up is good. Yeah, being able to fall back and shoot is is really good because mm-hmm. he's going to be in warriors or immortals. You're not necessarily going to be wanting to try to charge them forward, but right. if he's in a big you know a block of immortals or warriors, falling back and shooting, so you're not tied up like that's that could be really clutch. True, and it does mean like he's not like it does kind of make sure that their ballistic skill doesn't drop to like two plus because you know heavy meaning they they just don't move you know they don't move they are hitting on twos yeah that's a little too good so yeah this makes them a little bit you know more flexible then we get into our cryptex uh technomancer the big thing with them is they used to have the option to take either like the cloak that let them have a 10 inch movement and fly or they could take a canoptic control node which gave you the same ability as the canoptic court detachment which was the reroll ones to hit now it's just because there is the one technomancer model that has the cloak uh, he always has the 10 inch movement and fly and no longer has the canoptic control node but if you're taking that detachment you'll have that ability for your entire army anyway so he didn't really you didn't really lose anything with the technomancer and he can join wraiths which is terrifying yeah because yeah. <laughs> his unit gets five up feel no pain so yeah and he can just heal units d3 lost wounds so mm-hmm, yeah just yeah the psychomancer 
Um, used to have a nine-inch aura of minus one leadership. He now has a six-inch aura of if an enemy unit is below starting strength within six inches of him, they make a battle shock test at minus one. And then his Harbinger of Despair ability is once per turn at the start of your command, movement, shooting, charge, or fight phase, you select an enemy unit within 18 inches of him, and they make a battle shock test at minus one. It used to just be at the shooting phase and just had the, it did not have the minus one. It was just a straight battle shock test. This is so much better because the fact that you can do it at the start of your command phase means you can take objectives from people because you can do it before you score. That's, that's really good. Like the other, be, having the flexibility to do it in other phases where you know your opponent's kind of lining up to use a particular stratagem. Sure, that's good. That's good. But being able to shut them out of scoring in your command phase is really good. The Chronomancer did not change, but he's still a crypt deck and he still can uh, make your, you know, give your units minus one to be hit, which is always good. And then the Plasmancer. Uh, he actually, uh, he got better as well. He's got a living lightning ability, not too dissimilar from uh, Imotech. Uh, in your shooting phase, you select an, you know, where it's not just like everything, but instead he selects one enemy unit within 18 inches that he can see. He rolls 4d6. It used to be on sixes, they would take a mortal wound. It's now on fours, they take a mortal wound. So he tripled his uh, mortal wound output potential. We've talked about the Satan shards getting the minus one movement, but five up feel no pain. Uh, the one other change is the, the shard of the Nightbringer got plus two damage to its uh, strike version of its scythe hit, which is the strength 14, six attack version with devastating wounds is now D6 plus two damage instead of a straight D6. Um, if he hits you, he will die. <laughs> I mean, that he can. He's hitting on twos and with strength 14. I mean, he's potentially one shotting knights. I mean, yep. he's. No, Satan shards are just brutal. Yeah. The only, the only downside for the, the Deceiver and Nightbringer models is they are still fine cast and they are yes. still like the old, like third edition models. I, I, especially considering how, how cool the Void Dragon is, how cool the Transcendent Satan model is, they desperately need to upgrade these two models. Like, yeah. I, that's the only downside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, no, they, they need new models for these, but they are so iconic. They're like, we can't, we can't legend these. No, we'll. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for them to get more and have their whole pantheon there. <laughs> But yeah, otherwise, like all the Satan, including the Transcendent Satan, got a, uh, you know, got that same update. Also, they did update the Transcendent Satan with one very, very important change that I think tones it down a little bit. It cannot be given enhancements. It did not have that limitation before. And it is technically yeah. a Necron character. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was too much. <laughs> yeah, because these are all supposed to be like unique named characters, and uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Necron warriors. Now they actually got a very interesting change. It used to be um, that when they were on objectives, they would reanimate D six instead of D three, um, which could make it impossible to shift a brick at twenty off of an objective because they would just. And there were so many ways to 
increase like make sure that like if you had a necron overlord that was attached to them they could just re-roll they would regenerate d6 on your turn and your opponent's turn well obviously they've they've turned off the resorb shenanigans quite a bit and now instead of reanimating d6 every turn if they're on an objective now it's just they always regenerate uh d3 and you re-roll the dice so they're most likely to regenerate three but they'll never regenerate more than three on their own uh, a little bit more balance there too immortals still good they didn't really change uh, the Hexmark Destroyer, uh, as with a lot of stuff, got the plus one move. And they have an ability called Multi-Threat Eliminator, which, um, like, if one of your uh, Necron units is shot at, and the Hexmark Destroyer was within three inches of it, um, any Hexmark des- uh, Destroyers within three inches could shoot back. Now it's just um, once per turn, and only one model with the uh with this ability can fire when that particular ability is triggered so it's like you can't just surround that brick of 20 warriors with a hex mark with like three hex mark destroyers and just shoot to death anything that shoots at them cheetah so doesn't like fun <laughs> <laughs> so no, they they toned him down quite a bit um still also, good though oh still, still good really good <laughs> yeah Lichguard. Now, Lichguard, uh, they were a very tough brick to to shift also because before they had, like, any attacks that came in were minus one to wound. And considering they're already tough five and two wounds with, you know, they were very, very difficult to deal with. Uh, and they had a, uh, you know, they still have a four up and vulnerable save. So you can imagine with a four up and vulnerable save, T5, three up, four up. And minus one to wound, very nasty. That's been toned down. Now it only triggers if the attack is stronger than their toughness. So it has to be a T6 or better attack to get the minus one to wound. Which means heavy weapons are will have a slightly harder time at wounding them. But they won't immediately shrug off like light, you know, light weapons fire. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're, I think they're toned down in a way that is actually much healthier. Um, Trike Praetorians got plus one movement on uh, their, they can still fly and they st- still can reroll charge rolls and re, you know, charge after falling back. So they're like a dedicated assaulting unit. Um, death marks didn't change. Flayed ones didn't change and flayed ones still want to go after things that are below half strength. So they fit in very nicely with the annihilation legion, uh, crypto thralls, which can be attached to any unit led by a cryptech. Uh, they lost five up fill no pain. They gained a wound and they fight on death af- on a two up. It used to be on a three up. So you just attach these guys to like the Technomancer who's leading a unit of Canoptic Wraiths and then put two of these guys on there and just more swingies, even if they get killed and you can let these guys die first. But while they're in the same unit as a Cryptek, they give the Cryptek four up feel no pain. So, yeah. Um, Tomb Blades. Tomb Blades got toned down significantly, but in interesting ways, I think. So they used to have an ability that uh, called Evasion Engrams that just made the minus one to be hit, which sucks to play against. So now instead, after they shoot, 
they can make a move of six inches, but they can't they can't declare a charge. So they get jump shoot jump instead, mm-hmm. which I think is more interesting. And you know, as as we've said, it'd be nice if other models and other armies got that. Um, yep, it would. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, their particle weapons have a ballistic skill of three instead of two, which is much healthier. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, they changed a lot of their upgrades. Their twin Tesla carbines actually got six inches of extra range, which is nice. Um, the Shadow Loom used to give them a five up and vulnerable. It now gives them stealth instead. Also a healthier change. And then finally, the shield veins used to just give them a save of three up. It still does, but now it takes away four inches of movement. If they want to be harder to harder to damage, they have to move slower, which I think is also fair. Yeah. Yeah. Because Tomb Blades were just like an all-purpose get-everything-done <sighs> unit. Yeah. They've, they've always been one of my favorite Necron units. They're yeah. so good. <laughs> Yeah, so this actually gets them to a more reasonable level while still being very good and very effective units at doing what they need to do. Scorpic Destroyers, they got the plus one move that a lot of units got. They changed their Whirling Onslaught ability. It used to be they ignored penalties to hit and wound. I think now this is better. They reroll hit rolls of one, and if they charge, they reroll all hits. That's just better. <laughs> um, Aphidian Destroyers got plus one to move. Uh, Locust Destroyers got plus one to move, and they gained the ability to re-roll hit rolls against targets on objectives. So um, this actually gives the uh, Annihilation Legion a chance to, like, have, you know, clear off clear off, or at least soften up targets on objectives before you get your uh, close combat units in. Um, Locust Heavy Destroyers also got the plus one inch of movement. And their big thing is they have two weapon choices. They have the Enmitic Exterminator or the Gauss Destructor. The Enmitic Exterminator is meant for killing uh, non, you know, meant for killing things that aren't monsters or vehicles. The Gauss Destructor is for vehicles. Um, it now lets them. It used to say they could re-roll with the Enmitic Exterminator if they were targeting infantry. Now it's they can re-roll as long as they're not targeting monsters or vehicles. So it allows them to go after mounted cavalry, bikes, things like that, and and get those re-rolls. So it makes them a bit more effective as well. The Canoptic Reanimator. Um, as we said, they're kind of toning down some of the reanimation. This used to have a 12-inch aura of units reanimating an additional three you know, D3 wounds. That is now a 3-inch aura. <laughs> So, um, so they're going to be having to stay close. I think this makes them almost like not worth taking in some cases, just because that's, that's having to stay really close and hugging a unit to get, get any real value out of them. Scarab swarms gained an inch of movement and work really nicely with that, uh, with the Canoptic Court because they now gain OC1 if they're within six inches of a uh, Cryptek model, which is really nice because if they're within engagement range of an enemy unit, the enemy unit loses one OC, so you can flip an objective with these things if there's a Cryptek nearby. Um, so Scarab Swarm's really nice in the right detachment. Uh, spiders did not change. They are still good at uh, restoring destroyed Canoptic Scarabs and helping protect you from psychic attacks. Canoptic Wraiths, they only gained plus one movement, they're still terrifying anyway. 
They do mortal wounds just by moving through enemy units, and they are killer in close combat. Like the Vicious Claws, four attack, strength six, two damage, AP minus one, or Whip Coils if you just need a ton of attacks, because that's that's eight attacks with the Whip Coils. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like, have they ever not been good? No, no. Wraiths no. have always, they, always they, been very good. Yeah, but even when even when Necrons were kind of bad in Eighth Edition, they they were still the standout unit, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> so yeah, Canoptic Wraiths, fantastic. The Triarch Stalker, it lost an inch of movement, but in exchange, it gained an eight inch Scout move. So I think that's a fair trade. <laughs> Good with that. Yeah, yeah. Canoptic Doomstalker plus one move. Annihilation Barge plus one move. Doomsday Arc plus one move, and its main gun went from strength fifteen to strength eighteen, <laughs> which <laughs> just like wounding like light ve- like light to moderate vehicles on twos. Yeah, that's that's terrifying. With D six plus one attacks. Yeah, like, yeah. Doom. Doom. And it- and if it didn't move, it's got devastating wounds, and it's blast, and it's heavy. I mean, it will utterly annihilate anything you you like. If it doesn't move, it, you're going to point it at something, and that thing is not going to be a problem anymore. Ghost Ark actually didn't really change much. the The Ghost Ark is pretty much the same. It's good at reanimating uh, Necron warriors, which is what it's made to do. Doom Scythe didn't change. The Night Scythe did. Its main change as a flyer is that it can actually be set up in the reinforcement steps of any of your movement phases, regardless of enemy mission rules or, you know, of mission rules. So um, the Night Scythe being a transport, you're not, unlike most flyers where they can't come in turn one, you can actually have your Night Scythe come in turn one. So that's really nice. A um, couple of changes to the obelisk and to the monolith, which is, you know, which it's also based off of, or no, it, the obelisk isn't based off the monolith. It's based off the Tesseract Vault, but, um, it, mm-hmm. but the obelisk and monolith got the same changes, plus one movement, minus one toughness. They went from T14 to T13, but in exchange, they got two extra wounds. So like the obelisk went to 24 wounds, the monolith went to 22 wounds. Um, the obelisk is still your anti-flyer vehicle. It's the one that I think you take the least. <laughs> like, there's no real, no real point in taking the obelisk, especially when the tesseract vault is an option because you get okay. Well, and also when the night scythe is like a really good flyer transport, like you don't need anti-flyer in this army. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, you you're 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 good. So the Tesseract Vault, uh, I there was one change I didn't write down on my notes that I missed. So it got the plus one movement. It also got the ability to use two powers of the Satan instead of just one, which makes it very, very nice. Mm-hmm. The And the, the Monolith is still fantastic, especially like with the hyper the Hypercrypt detachment. Yeah, you you want to take the hyper you want to take at least one, if not two of these. And while, again, we don't have the final points for these, uh, monoliths are probably in the, let's see, our, yeah, monoliths are in the 400-point range. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean. W- I would think slash hope they drop. Mm, I don't know. My, th- my thoughts around the 350 to th- range there. I mean, it's still high. I mean, they've right. always been expensive because they're, yeah. they're hardy. Like, they're, yeah. 
Well, I mean, they're currently 350 in the current Minotaurum field guide. So. See? So, that's so this might be... this Again, we know the points in this are out of date, so if we based off the current points, 350, two of, having two of those in an army, I think that still gives you 1,300 points to play with, so it's not... Yeah. It's not too bad. And then finally, the uh, the Convergence of Dominion, which is the uh, d- the fortification they have, um, it lost two toughness, but it now has a, a six-inch aura of six-up feel-no-pain, which used to be six inches of reroll animation protocol dice. Uh, it also has a, a passable shooting weapon, 18-inch range, three attacks, strength six, AP minus two, three damage. So not not horrible. I still don't know if I would ever take one, but it's a cool terrain piece, though. It is a neat terrain piece, but uh, it's like it's probably the lowest pick on the, mm. on the army list. But yeah, so that's that's everything in the army. And like I look at this, and again, I look at I'm like I don't see anything that feels particularly broken. I think there's some, there's definitely a couple of things that feel a little bit more powerful than others. I think there's a lot of really good synergy in the canoptic court i think and i and i'm i'm like with you dennis i think the awakened dynasty is still very solid like it's not a bad detachment to run with anything i think hypercrypt legion is a really solid choice and with the right build can can have be a lot of fun and mm-hmm. give you a give your opponent a lot of trouble in trying to catch up with what you're doing yeah, because I know I'll, I'll do this in the narrative. Kevin had issues chasing down Grey Knights. Yes, I did. <laughs> Actually, non-narrative, I think Rob's had issues chasing down Grey Knights. Yeah, I mean, playing against Richard, like, Grey Knights can be a pain just because... I mean, the only the only downside for Grey Knights is they're expensive because, you know, like, each one is very powerful. With this, you can do it with, like, Necron Warriors, which are not nearly so costly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... Like overall, I like I like most of what I see. Like I said, I I, I find the obeisance phalanx kind of meh. I, I don't think it really has a it it barely has a play style. It I don't think there's anything it does that the uh, the awakened dynasty doesn't do better. But otherwise, the, like the annihilation legion gives you a close combat op. You know, build canoptic court gives you a cryptic area control build and the hyper legion hyper crypt legion gives you a redeployment and crazy movement build so yeah you've got multiple play styles uh i don't dislike really any of the unit changes they all make sense like it's toning down things that were a bit too powerful and bumping them back up on things that they had overcorrected on i i like it i i, I like the necron book i think it's I think it's I think it's good and it's it feels about the right power level too. So I guess Kevin, you're our, our air quote Necron player right now. How would the Dayglow Necrons fit within this one? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've got enough I've got enough Necron stuff that I could probably build the Annihilation uh, Legion if I wanted to, uh, which is where I lean because yeah, it's just the type of player I am. The Awakened Court uh, would be interesting. And yeah, the the hyperloop one was is our hyperphase is interesting. <laughs> Sorry. All right, Mr. Overlord Musk. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the hyperphase court is uh is an interesting one. I think I would need to get 
I don't know that I, I think I only have one monolith and I don't have any of the new ones. So I would need to add to be able to build that. I think that's super fun to play. I think it'd be super fun to play. Okay. Well, I've got so. a solution for that then, Kevin. It's called Don't Worry About Necrons. You've got two or three land fortresses. Start building some Voton. You know what? I don't need to. I don't need this from you. <laughs> okay, then ship me the votons. I'll build and play. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think there's a lot of interesting play styles here. And I, I think if you want to play the more traditional, you know, third edition, fourth edition, fifth edition Necron style, you can play that. If you want to go lean into the new, the newer stuff and go melee, there's options for that. If you want to lean into the more esoteric stuff that's not warriors, there's a there's a thing for that. And if you want to play like dynamically and be able to do stuff, you know, to to kind of frustrate your opponent, you've got that option as well. So I think this is a really neat codex. I don't know necessarily how powerful it'll be. It's it feels in some ways that it maybe lost a little bit of overall power from the index, but it gained a ton of flexibility. So. I'm excited. I think it's a nice book. And I'll say that looking at both in general then is I don't think either of these scream power army to me, Mm -mm. but with all of the different detachment styles for both of them, I think you can get some fun play out of this. Just pick a, a detachment you like and go have fun. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing I take out of this. Is that in both cases, and especially I think with the Necrons, which is an army that could feel very oppressive to play against just because of the the sheer survivability and renewability that they, they had, even in the Index, both of these seem like they are going to be more fun to play. You know, because the Mechanicus gets a lot more options and they get a detachment that isn't complete hot garbage. And the Necrons get a lot of very interesting play styles and, you know, a little bit toned down the reanimation. So it, they also strike me as fun to play against. Like these, these are games mm-hmm. where there'll be a lot more back and forth. And so th- that, that's better for the game. That It's much healthier for the game to have that. But at the same time, I don't feel like Necrons got like badly nerfed on anything like you know the, the changes they got no, feel no. feel reasonable but still allowed the army to do its thing which is what like i said yeah. you know it's what you want out of a book you want the army to feel like it has flavor that it can do the thing it is designed to do but also like i feel like with like the space marine codex the tyranid codex and now we have two more we have mechanicus and we have um necrons that I'm definitely getting the feeling that the the detachment build style, like that was one of the things we kind of liked the idea of when they started announcing 10th. And now that we're four codexes in, like, you know, I know this was one of your concerns, Kevin, was like, are they going to stick with us? How do you feel about it so far? So far, I, I, I like it. I think they've done, you know, I think they've done pretty interesting thematic things with all the detachments. I do think there's still a little bit of concern about some being just better than others, but I don't know that there's a way around that. They haven't necessarily dropped in any that's that feel like an auto wind attachment. Um, so yeah, so far so good. Yeah. I, I think that kind of matches how I feel about it. It's just like, 
I, I, they're kind of hitting the right thing of like, this promotes different play styles. It does, like you brought up earlier, Richard, like picking a particular character doesn't lock you into a faction. So you've got a lot more uh, freedom to build, uh, you know, kind of the list you want. And they are supporting those multiple play styles without it just being like a, a slight fact, like a faction ability and maybe a stratagem. And then a, a ton of other stratagems you have to manage. Like each of these feels like they're going to play very differently and have different tools available while working from the same unit pool. So now nah, I, I feel like they're, they're kind of hitting it design wise where they need to be. Um, we're definitely seeing a better sense of balance than we did in the index. And I think they've, it feels like they're kind of dialing in what they want to do with the army design. Um, what will, and I, so far, like, I don't feel like the early army designs, you know, obviously, like, we've still got a lot of, a lot to go because, you know, we know we've got dark angels and orcs and tau and chaos space marines and sisters coming up. But, like, so far, I don't see anything where it's like, Oh yeah, the, these this older stuff. There's going to be something down the road that's going to blow it out of the water, and there's going to be a ridiculous amount of power creep. I don't get that vibe so far. Yeah. Oh come on, when the Eldar Codex comes out, that'll be all the power <laughs> creep you need, right? <laughs> oh no, kidding. <laughs> well, one one thing that I do think is interesting, and I, and I do hope that this design philosophy continues, is they've been restrained on the number of detachments. We haven't seen fifteen detachments. Eight detachments, you know, 20 detachments, all the different like sub factions that they had in those other books in previous editions where it just, there was like, okay, this is the detachment that gives you stealth. This is the detachment that gives you plus one movement. You know, it, things all feel unique and different. Yes. And they feel more fully fleshed out. And I think if they can continue to focus on four to five detachments for each army that play uniquely and are fully fleshed out, I think that's a great place for the game to be in. I'll, I'll agree with that, except I will also say for big army books, I think six is okay as well, aka like oh, Space sure. Marines, Eldar. Sure. Yeah, for sure. But I just, I remember, I think it was the Sisters book where we got all of the different uh, sub-factions for Sisters, and you're reading through there and it's like, so this is the Raven Guard, and this is the Iron Hands, and this is, and it was just like, uh, you know, well, too many. If you don't have, if you don't have unique things to do with them, then don't create all these different factions. Just focus on a few. Yeah, the other thing they did in the Sisters and Eldar and other books was create your own craft world, create your own chapter type thing, and that's that. where you really got into things. And not having that helps tone things down and get you into where you can balance things better. You, and you mean giving also, power gamers the option to choose the best options is bad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knew? But, but also, this going away from this is the thing for this chapter, this is the thing for this one. So you've got your restricted paint schemes. Now you can paint whatever you want. You can have it be your custom chapter and pick any of the existing detachments and say, this is how we're going to fight yeah. this game. Yeah. And I also think, like, you know, we've, we've kind of mentioned, like, when we were going through, like, the Mechanicus ones, like, oh, the Skatari detachment, yeah, this is the Raven Guardy detachment, or the Hyper Crypt Legion, like, well, this is the one that plays, like, Grey Knights, but even then, whereas before, it was just like, oh, it, the, everything in your army gets that bonus, you know, when we were in, like, mm -hmm. ninth edition design. Now it's like, okay, so we're carefully tailoring which keywords get that benefit, 
and the the stratagems real because it's a small pool of stratagems that are very focused on that particular playstyle and using particular keywords and particular unit combinations lets it feel differently because I feel like even though the basic stealth and cover from more than 12 inches away for the Mechanicus one feels, you know, it's like, well, at first, yeah, that reads like Raven Guard, but then you read like what keywords affect particular or like what stratagems affect particular units based on keywords. It's like, but this is only good for the Taraxi or this is only specifically good for like the Sicarians or things like that. So it's going to, mm-hmm. and because you're working with a different unit pool, it feels differently. And the Hypercrypt Legion, sure, it on, like, you can even say, well, it makes you play like Grey Knights, except your stuff doesn't have deep strikes. So you really need to have monoliths to yeah. make things, like, to, to have them jump out anywhere you want. And it's got stratagems that specifically want you to use monoliths. So it's like, yeah, the basic mechanic is kind of similar on its face, but the implementation and the pool unit pool makes it work very differently. Because, like, even though it's mm-hmm. going to be redeployment, tro- you know, tricks, it's not going to be Grey Knight redeployment tricks because that's different and it it works differently. So, I I'm glad we are getting away from this. Like you said, every de- every codex has to have the detachment that does this and that does that, and it made armies. F- like feel samey while not being samey. This lets you use similar mechanics without feeling like it's the same. And I appreciate that. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up. We managed to get through two codexes in, I think less than three hours. That's I I feel pretty good about that. Well, we, we tailored our responses more and more focused, streamlined it down just like the codexes. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps up episode 291. I think we'll have one more episode this year because uh, we'll be recording like I think the week before Christmas. Yeah. And uh, then we will come back. I think so. That'll be 292. 293 will be, I think, ringing in the new year. So we'll see how everything goes. But uh, until then, from all of us here, Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Uh, Good night, good gaming, and yeah, a couple of good codexes from GW. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.